This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is one of my favorite parts of my morning routine. As all of you know, because I talk about it a lot, I prioritize eating whole foods when it comes to my nutrition. I mostly follow a paleo-ish way of eating, but it can be really hard to get fresh produce and high quality food when you live on the road or travel to remote climbing areas. One scoop of Athletic Greens has 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. I think of it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. If I take Athletic Greens in the morning, I know I'm covered and that gives me a tremendous peace of mind throughout the rest of the day. It's great. To make your decision easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com nugget. Again, that is athleticgreens.com nugget to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This episode is also brought to you by Fizzy Vantage. I also take Fizzy Vantage supercharged collagen every day. Why? Because my fingers need collagen to get stronger. Hello. I talk about that all the time too. Supercharged collagen is a research-based athlete-proven supplement that supports collagen synthesis in connective tissues and the force transfer matrix of muscle. What the hell does all that mean? Well, to me, it means if you want stronger fingers, you should be supplementing with collagen. I personally am taking collagen an hour before my finger training to get the most out of my training, and I really think it helps. It makes sense, and it's working. It's awesome. Collagen is super helpful for recovering from injuries as well. I had a bicep tendon injury this winter, and having a lot of collagen in my diet was super helpful for getting back to 100%. If you would like to feel the Fizzy Vantage, head over to fizzyvantage.com and use code NUGGET15 at checkout to save 15% off your next order. That's fizzyvantage.com and use code NUGGET15 at checkout to save 15% off your order. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. And my guest today is Sam Stroh. I sat down with Sam in Waco Tanks a couple months ago. It was so much fun. We had a great conversation and I really, really enjoyed this one. Sam has a lot of great stories. He's a badass, strong boulderer, sport climber, and big wall climber. He's done everything from double-digit highball boulder problems to ground-up free ascents on El Capitan, tons of other hard stuff in the valley. He's totally crushing it. He's totally young and psyched and uh, kind of flying by the seat of his pants and having some wild adventures along the way. So this was a really fun conversation with tons of great stories from Sam. It takes us a little while to warm up in this one, so give it a little time. I promise you this one delivers, and I hope you enjoy. Also, we talked about Sam's knee injury towards the end of this conversation. Happy to announce that Sam is back in action, back to climbing 514 and is totally crushing it out at Smith Rock, which is very funny given how we talk about Smith in this episode. Before we jump in, I want to give a couple quick shout outs to some new patrons of the show. Big thanks to Renzolama, that's such a cool name, and Zach Emery. Thank you both for signing up for the 
$30 per month tier and going way above and beyond to support the show. Super awesome. It's a huge help to me. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, I have a Patreon. And for the $30 tier, $10 of that is going to The Nugget. And then $10 is going to each of two different nonprofits that we support at The Nugget. So that's Climbing for Change. Kai Leitner's nonprofit and Sacred Rock, which was started by Ron Kalk and Katie Lambert. Both of those nonprofits are doing super cool things, helping youths and helping marginalized or underprivileged kids get into the sport. So again, super cool. Really appreciate the support from both of you. If you want to help out the show, you can learn all the things at patreon.com slash the nugget climbing. Tons of bonus episodes over there, ad-free episodes so you can skip right to the good stuff and a lot more. Go check it out. Consider supporting the show. And in the meantime, please enjoy this very fun conversation with Sam Stroh. Yeah, like in college, I would like had this massive tumbler that I would like go to the um, like cafeteria and like fill it all the way to the top. Yeah. Every day, and then like go to class. Yeah. And like drink it throughout the day, and it was like probably like a liter and a half of coffee or something. It was like, uh-huh. super unsustainable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally same. Yeah. Not so much in college for me. Um, go a little closer. Go like okay. hands with the way. Cool. You can kind of like just. Keep it down here. Sweet. Um, yeah, that sounds good. Little red buttons pressed. We're rolling. Um, you know how this goes. I'll probably cut some of this out, but we'll just kind of cool. like chat for a little bit and ease yeah. into things. What was I talking about? Coffee. I didn't drink that much in college, but when I worked as an engineer in a cubicle um, at the airplane factory, <laughs> I uh, I drank like a, like a big French press every single day. Yeah. And uh, I finally, do you know the whoop straps? Yeah. I wore yeah. a whoop strap for a couple of years and like use it to check out my sleep and stuff. And I don't know how accurate those things are, but I think like at least um, the relative data is rel- is, is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and my deep sleep always sucked and I couldn't figure out why. And then I went off coffee for like a week for some reason and my deep sleep like quadrupled mm-hmm. like overnight, you know, yeah. and then I kind of titrated coffee back in. And learned that I can have like one cup in the morning without affecting my sleep. But if I have a French press of coffee, even if it's all before like 10 a.m., it still tanks my deep sleep. So yeah, that was the the pivot point for me. I don't know if I, it's not like, you know, some people are like, I went off coffee and like, now I feel amazing and have all this energy. Like, I think I feel the same. I don't really know yeah. if it's any different. Mm-hmm. Why did you back off on your coffee? Um, it's probably just all of the, you just like listen to a podcast where they're like, oh yeah, you know, you're getting super anxious and, or you like read a book and then talking about how everyone's addicted to caffeine and it's like making everyone super anxious and everyone's super dependent on caffeine. And then you start like thinking about, oh, well maybe this isn't like a good practice to be drinking like eight cups of coffee a day. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it was just like experimenting with what like feels best, like the proper amount to be drinking for me and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like come down to like one cup a day. and That's the sweet spot. Yeah. And then like maybe having like a green tea or like a Yorkshire tea or something like mm-hmm. afterwards if I'm like feeling tired, but like not past 2 p.m. 
because then like you don't sleep as well. So, yeah. 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 I got yeah. you. There's probably something to it. I remember, I, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but I remember when I was in college, I was like, at one point I was concerned with my dependence on coffee and just didn't like the idea of being dependent on anything to <laughs> feel awake and alert. And I told my sister that I was like, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to let go of my coffee addiction because I don't want to be dependent on mm -hmm. coffee. And she just, there was the kind of this blank stare and she just, there was a few seconds pause and she was like, why not? Then you just get to have it every day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Like, you know, cause there's almost this like cultural acceptance of being a total coffee addict. And we give people a lot of slack for needing their coffee. Mm -hmm. Like you can be a total asshole if you haven't had your coffee yet. As totally. long as you're a, co a coffee addict, it's mm -hmm. like accepted. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it's like, I, I'm not like super into coffee and you know, people are like really into it and they like have to grind their grounds like every morning and like have all their special things. And I'm not like that, but I still like when I'm talking to someone and they like don't drink coffee, it's like shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And then like, I've, it's gotten to the point where like, what do you do? Yeah. Like, what do you do? And like, I remember like trying, like talking to like big wall, like possible big wall partners and they like don't drink coffee. And I'm like, how is the morning routine going to go, you know, like on the wall? Like, yeah. what are we going to do in the morning to like start our day and like, yeah. and like get in the zone? Yeah. If you don't drink coffee. Like you just like wake up and like start racking up. Right. That's crazy. When do you poop? Like yeah. that's, you know, yeah. how do you get yeah. that going? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many questions. I find it interesting how, I wonder if people can relate to this. At this point, they're so connected. It's like even smelling coffee, even the process of making it. I'm my bowels. I'm like, oh, I'm ready to go. Right. Just, you know, you get that aroma and you're like, oh, it's like mm -hmm. that Pavlovian connection there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I wonder how much of it's just the morning routine too. Like, mm. like mm -hmm. if you like don't have a cup mm -hmm. of coffee and you like, cause I just feel like I don't know what to do <laughs> at like, it's just like the catalyst for the day. Yeah. And if I don't have it, then I'm like feeling kind of lost and like the day never even began. Yeah. And I wonder how much of it is like, just needing that uh, morning ritual. Yeah. There's it's something there. Like, yeah. Are you a ritual person? Do you have, do you have morning routines or evening routines or anything? Um, yeah. So, yeah. I like, I like to stretch before climbing a lot now. And it kind of just like, I think it helps like slow the process into like getting into the day of climbing. And, um, yeah, like coffee, obviously. And then before going to sleep, I like, um, we'll try and like work out sore muscles and stuff with like a ball or like mm. a massage gun or something. I thought you were just going to leave it at, I thought you were just going to say work out. Before yeah. sleep, I like to work out. Yeah. 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 I just like to like bust out a hundred pushups before I go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, get the cortisol up right before you get in bed. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm like reading before bed and like. Yeah. But I, I think I used to be more like, um, uptight about it. And if I like didn't get to like wake up and like meditate before coffee and then like drink mm. coffee and then stretch and everything before the day starts, I'm like, oh, well, what's the point in even doing the day now? <laughs> Today's you know? blown. Yeah. 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 I can relate to that. I, I, my, my like self-care, um, evolution has been like a total bell curve, you know, mm -hmm. it was like zero awareness doing nothing. That's probably not true, but not doing much. And then like became a monk. Yeah. And then was like, I don't want to be a monk or it's mm -hmm. not healthy to actually be monk-like in today's world. You know, if you want to have a life with friends and things. So now it's back down maybe 
somewhere in between yeah. halfway point or something. I've had the same, the same like trajectory. Cause yeah, you're like, don't care about any of it. And you're like, oh, I need to get, I need to start doing all these things that everyone's recommending me and like sleeping properly and drinking matcha instead of coffee and meditating for three hours and then stretching for four and like all this stuff. And then, you know, you get to like a breaking point Mm -hmm. and there's like no time to think about anything else. And you're like, oh, this is really unsustainable. Yeah. And then you're like, well, maybe I'm just like not going to do any of it. Did you say fuck it and just wipe Um, the slate clean sort of thing? Cause I like that blackboard we're sitting in my van and there's mm-hmm. a blackboard on my wall with, you know, you it's, it's disgusting right now and hard to read, but usually it has like goals on it and things like that. Right now it has all my physical therapy exercises from my injury. Um, but there was like a year where the whole blackboard was just like self care reminders, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, go on a walk, read a book, do this, do that. And, yeah. And I would feel like a little bit of anxiety every time I glanced at the blackboard. For sure. You know, I'm like, I've only done one of those 10 things today or I've mm-hmm. done none of them or mm-hmm. or I want to do them all. But, you know, the, I want to go climbing or I want yeah. <laughs> I have to work today. And it can kind of become this weird uh, prison, self-care prison. Absolutely. Re- yeah. 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 I don't know why we're talking about this so much. Coffee. Uh, yeah. We, I don't know. Maybe we, we were just both into it. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh. No, I know what you're talking about. Like, you just put too many things on the schedule, and then it mm-hmm. gets too ang- like anxiety-inducing, and it's not. It's no longer self-care. Yeah, yeah. Are you a lists person in general? Do you have like, do you have written goals and mm. things like that? I go in and out of uh, like writing stuff down. Like, I brought this like journal with me where I like wrote down intentions for our conversation and like. Oh, we should start by things that we should. Uh, I want to hear what's in there. Yeah, oh, okay. That'd be interesting. Let's see. I have my own list too, but um, we're, we're kind of, for people listening, we're here in Waco, ran into you like, a, did you get here a week ago or so? Uh, I think like three and a, three weeks ago. Was it three weeks yeah, ago? three and a half weeks ago. What the fuck? Yeah, I know, time flies. Time warp. Okay. <laughs> I've, well, I've spent like half my time at the climbing gym just doing rehab for the last few weeks, so maybe that makes sense. But but yeah, I, um, I ran into you right after recording a follow-up with Jordan Cannon about wet lycra nightmare. And it was so fun to hear some of your sides of, of that story and your yeah. season in Yosemite. So I want to talk about that in a bit. Um, but yeah, so this is, we talked about doing this, but then it actually came up kind of last minute here because unfortunately you hurt yourself and you're yeah. leaving, which mm-hmm. makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's a, it's a bummer, but... I kind of just realized like everyone's getting injured in Waco. That's <laughs> you're leaving. <laughs> it like, and I'm just like a part of that now. Like I, like you tore your bicep and yeah. then my buddy Isaac like popped his like ring finger. Red pulley. Van Isaac? Yeah. Like when a week and a half ago. Oh yeah. Well, he's ago. already better. It's, he's fine. Yeah. It's crazy. Like he was like, uh, yeah, I ran into him one morning and he's, he's like, like yeah. I've just been rehabbing it three times a day yeah. and now it's better. I'm like, no, okay. Isaac is like, yeah, talking about like doing lists and like he Isaac has like all of his climbing days planned out for yeah. like six, like two months, you know, and it's it's <laughs> well, really awesome. I woke up and opened my curtain and I could see he's like parked right across the road from me, and I could see him out there like training with his wrist wrench in the snow, like mm-hmm. at nine o'clock in the morning. I was like, God, that guy is yeah. fucking committed. Yeah. No, when we like climb together, um, he'll be like, yeah, like meet in the parking lot, and I get there like probably an hour after him, and the whole time, like I get to the parking lot and he's just like busting out like one arm max hangs before you go climbing and I'm like oh my god that's so intense yeah 
<laughs> yeah, he's he's got the fire. Um, but I derailed us. So I, all that to say, like I kind of put together this outline this morning um, and have some good stuff in here. But yeah, I would love to hear what is in your notebook. What are your intentions for um, this conversation? I guess like I wrote these down because, you know, all of a sudden you can just be like talking about coffee for half an hour. Yeah. Not get to talk about um, like more important things, I guess. But I guess uh, January 24th, Tuesday, Gleatherland, intentions for a conversation with Stephen. Uh, continue to be present. Take time to think about your responses and try and drop like insecurities about what all your listeners are going to think about what I'm saying. And then uh, like I have topics that I want to talk about as well okay. and that we don't miss. Yeah. I don't know if I need to read all those now. Okay. Give me some, give me like the quick the quick overview of the topics and I'll see um, which ones match up with my list here. I love those intentions, by the way. That's yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I have, uh, in terms of topics I wanted to talk about, my main climbing partner, Adrian, who we've like grown a ton over the last couple of years together. We've like gone from like just learning how to track climb to like taking on these big objectives together and we're like not quite ready. And it's like brought all these really great experiences our way and it's mm. like been really awesome so i like want to talk about our relationship yeah and our partnership a bit because it's like really awesome and it's like helped us both grow a ton and we like have had our hardships and like i don't know you don't like hear about really awesome climbing partnerships all the time yeah and i think like a lot of our close friends in the community like think about us as a pair Mm. And like when one of us is in a climbing area and the other one's not there, they're like, whoa, where's like... like did you guys break up? Yeah, what exactly. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> and we did break up. And then it was like, everyone was like, whoa, they broke up. And everyone knew that we were going to get back together, you know? <laughs> it's just fate. But um, yeah. yeah. So that was one thing. Um, talking about ground up experiences versus wrapping in experiences. Because mm. I feel like a lot of people are like, do one of each. And I've like kind of done both and can appreciate um each one mm -hmm. from like doing the other and then uh yeah wet like or nightmare following psych and then just like going for objectives when you're like not quite ready because mm. a lot of like what i've i think i've done a lot of that and i think it like trial by fire yeah can be like a really cool way to learn about climbing nice um and, uh, yeah, all of my talented, interesting, and motivated friends that I've met along the road and have a ton of appreciation for. Nice. Because I think I, like, sold my truck and moved into the van and hit the road, like, in COVID. And it was, like, a really crazy time for everybody. And I just met so many really awesome people that have created this, like, amazing community for me. Oh, that's so, that's across wonderful the, to hear, man. Across the U.S. now, so. Well, we yeah. can definitely talk about all of that. I've got most of that on my list and uh, I'll just, I'll just try to keep a couple mental notes there and then we can talk for a while and then just check in and make sure we didn't miss anything. How cool. about that? Yeah, that sounds great. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting just touching briefly on you and Adrian. So I met you in summer of 2020 in 10 sleep. I think it was it was shortly after you had hit the road, right? You were kind of early on in your- Yeah, that was like week one. Week one? Yeah, that <laughs> okay. was like week one. Yeah, so it's fun to reconnect with you and I've just been following your journey on, on Instagram 
over the last couple of years and uh, you've, you've been killing it. You've just been like tearing it up. And uh, I think, I can't remember actually, I, I apologize to these two women for not being able to remember who said this, but it was either Amity Warm or it was SJ, Sean Jean Lee, who said like, you've got to have Sam on the podcast. And I think it was you and Adrian, mm-hmm. it, like they had climbed with you or next to you or something. And they're like, these two guys, like they're, they're like young and giddy and they're just stoked. And they just like almost don't even maybe know how hard they're climbing. You know, they're just going after these really big things and pulling it off. So yeah, anyway, I, I, I think it'd be really fun to hear um, how you guys got connected and about your trajectory together. Um, I met Adrian. When was that? I think it was last summer maybe in bend at the circuit Mm -hmm. just like one random day and it does seem like i'm like how are these guys just it's like it it, from the outside looking in it's almost like you two have a secret because everything you try you seem to just pull it off and excel and you know it's just always these amazing updates of of you sending a 514 together in little sigh or you know sending golden gate together ground up or whatever it is so yeah, let's. Uh, that's as good a place as any to kick things off. How did you meet Adrian? Um, <clears throat> so it was after I met you in Ten Sleep. So I like bounced from Ten Sleep to Indian Creek, and then to Vegas. Um, that like first few months on the road, and uh, I met Adrian just like in the craft boulders. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. And we were, um, like, and at the time, I definitely remember I had just been in Indian Creek, and that was, like, my first big trad climbing experience, and, like, went to Zion and, like, did the Moonlight Buttress. And Did um, you onsite the Moonlight Buttress? Yeah. You're so, one of those people. I'm like, how do you, like, first season of trad climbing, you go onsite the Moonlight Buttress? Yeah, That's it was, amazing, like... amazing, dude. Um... That was crazy because me and my buddy Spencer, who's like right over, he's actually in the campsite next to you. Oh, really? He's yeah. the guy in the Subaru? Yeah, in the, in the white Subaru. That um, guy's, yeah. Yeah. Just camping, living in a Subaru in the snow, just keeping it real over there. Yeah. No, he's like a total undercover crusher. And nice. he's like a good friend of mine. And um, yeah, we just met like at Battle of the Bulge Buttress in Indian Creek, like trying uh, Ruby's Cafe. It's like classic finger crack. And then we decided to go try the Moonlight Buttress and uh, like... I had I don't think I had done a five twelve multi pitch before, and I had done like two five twelve trad climbs, I think. <laughs> and we were just like, oh, like let's just go check it out. It's supposed to be ultra classic. And then like I remember the five eight and like five ten opening pitches feeling like hard. Yeah, and I was like, I've tried oh. it. It's it's sandy down at the bottom, super sandy, kind of wandery. Yeah. The yeah. first pitch is like five eight, but super slabby and sandy. And I remember thinking like, oh wow, like we're totally fucked. <laughs> like we're gonna really struggle. And we had like no tactics, you know. Like the second was like climbing with the bag with like way too much water. And like <laughs> I remember like I seconded that chimney pitch, and like I was like, oh, it's a chimney, so I can't have the bag on my back. So I like took an alpine draw, and like it extended the bag off my belay loop and climbed the whole pitch like that. No yeah. way, dude. What the <laughs> yeah. fuck? And this this guy, uh, Josh McCoy, was like <laughs> wrapping in to practice it uh-huh. and was like, what the fuck are you doing climbing with the bag like that? Like, y'all are crazy. <laughs> like I'm on siding, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was like really cool. And uh, yeah, I always thought like what it would be like going back with like proper multi-pitch techniques and like hauling a bag. You and just warm up on it. I, I mean, that's... 
this is a tangent. I don't want to, well, whatever. Yeah. I am. I am curious about this. How, how do you explain that? Like what, what is it that you think prepared you to be able to do that? Cause I've tried moonlight. I'm not like a very proficient crack climber, especially on sandstone. I haven't done much like splitter crack climbing, but I've done a fair amount of trad climbing and I tried it for maybe three or four days with my friend Lizzie Van Patten back in 2020 mostly supporting her, but just, you know, of course I was curious and trying it myself. And, um, I ended up red pointing like how many pitches is it? Um, it's like five or six pitches of five twelve, and then yeah. like the opening ones. Yeah. Maybe five pitches of five twelve. Okay. Yeah. Like I, eight pitches total. Nine. Eight pitches total. Yeah. Eight or nine pitches. I think I red pointed like five or six, like maybe mm-hmm. two of the five twelve pitches. Didn't send the, in, the upper enduro corner pitch. Didn't send the, the weird flare pitch and like didn't send the 0.5 pitch above that yeah didn't do most of it okay <laughs> i found it really hard and yeah. i'm just so impressed that you just showed up and crushed it with a bag hanging from your belay loop what what do you think prepared you for that um i think there's like there's a couple things um one is like having because yeah i was i was 19 at the time Oh no, it was my 20th, it was like the day after my 20th birthday is when we did that. And I started climbing kind of like right before I turned 17 and uh, like mostly sport climbed because that's all that I knew about climbing was sport climbing. It was like the areas around Taos, New Mexico Mm. were sport climbing areas. And like my, the guy that was like teaching me how to climb is, uh, his name's Jay and he like runs the guiding service in Taos. You're you're from Taos? Um, I'm from Houston originally. Okay. And um, like... Uh, went to Taos on ski ski trips growing up <clears throat> and then went in the summertime when, uh, one summer when I was like, yeah, right before I turned 17 and like went on an outdoor guided trip um, and went back to Houston after that trip and like joined the gym with my sister and I moved to Taos like three months later and finished high school there. So yeah, no, from Texas. Okay. So Got it, it feels good to be back here <laughs> in nice. my home state. Um but so having that like base of sport climbing and I had climbed like, uh, like 13 plus before starting track climbing. Okay. But I, um, you know, it was, it was like a lot of just like going out to the same crags after, after class in high school and going climbing. Like I didn't take it too, too seriously, but I was like really psyched, really psyched to climb all the time. Yeah. I mean that, that all makes sense. I, th- I think in 10 sleep, when I met you, right after I met you, you sent Galactic Emperor, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Which is what a 14A, 13D or 14A yeah, or whatever. People I think. call that thing. Yeah. I think at Hard. the time I was like, oh yeah, 14A. Yeah. Yeah. And now having climbed a couple, I'm like, okay, maybe. And I'm not trying, yeah. I have no, I have no perspective on it. I've, mm-hmm. ne- I've never tried it, but I just, I just have heard mixed yeah. things. So. But I had climbed, yeah, I'd climbed that right before going to Indian Creek. Um, <clears throat> and then was just epicking in Indian Creek to like get up five tens. <laughs> and I just like uh-huh. could could not really figure out hand jamming properly at first and was really struggling. Yeah. And uh but then going to Moonlight, I think it was like having that physical strength from sport climbing and then just being like really naive about placing gear and being like really, really psyched <laughs> and like not really thinking about like gear holding or stuff like that. And uh like willing to like, like run it out and like do anything to send the pitch mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. and that lasted for for quite a while and i think that helped with like some of those 
bigger gear sense and moonlight in particular is like really sporty it's like really live and yeah yeah as far as splitter crack climbing it is very sporty and it's but the thing is like i mean i know alex honnold soloed it but it's not easy or secure at all like it's pretty yeah, no, goddamn no, hard it's, yeah no th- <laughs> that's no, so think, impressive man i don't think that'll ever be understood yeah 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 you 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 kind of i mean it's amazing but you kind of it kind of hits differently when you're up there mm-hmm. trying those pitches especially for me i mean i'm i'm bad at straight in crack climbing but like the 0.5 pitches they just feel so rattly and insecure and the feet are so bad you're almost like crack campusing <laughs> if that's a thing yeah. um i think he has really big he has big fingers yeah i okay. think he's just jamming the point fives <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we can just tell ourselves that yeah. <laughs> it was yeah soft 12 minus for him yeah 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 it's just soft for him <laughs> we were talking about adrian though or we were we were making our way there mm. so i'm sorry when did you meet adrian so yeah had that trip to indian creek and zion and then um went home for the holidays and then went to vegas and at the time I was like getting more psyched on like multi-pitch climbing and hard track climbing and knew I needed a partner and knew I didn't really have anyone that around me that was like really psyched um, to do that. And it seemed like, you know, when you're trying to go climb some like 513 multi-pitch, you like need a psyched partner. Um, and I was just like bouldering in the craft boulders because that's like what all my friends were doing. And Adrian just like walks up to this boulder and he's like, um, it's like the monkey bar boulder. Mm-hmm. Do you know that one? Yeah. 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 So we were like trying that like V6 on that like classic V6 monkey director, mm-hmm. monkey bar or whatever. <clears throat> and he, we like started chatting and he had like just dropped out of college and was like really psyched on just like, he was just like living in his Highlander and like <laughs> was like totally, he was like completely on the Brad Gobright program of like eating pastries and like climbing every day and never resting. And like, <laughs> was just like really just like living the dream, you know? And, uh, we like start talking and he's from Washington and he was like thinking about going back to school and was like looking at, so I guess he hadn't just dropped out and he had been out for a little bit. Um, but he was thinking about going back to school and I was at OSU Cascades in Bend and he was like psyched on bed and psyched on Smith Rock. So that like, he was like, oh, I'm thinking about going there. I'm like, mm. oh, you totally should. And I was like telling him about the school. And then he was like, oh, like, what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, oh, I want to go try this like, like desert gold, this like 513 roof crack, like out in Black Velvet Canyon. He was like, oh, I really want to try that too. And I was like, no way. <laughs> that is like so perfect. And then like, um, so we kind of like leave that day. And we meet up in the morning and we go try this, uh, this like 513 crack. And like, I had never tried a 513 track climb before. And, uh, I don't think Adrian had either. Maybe he had an Indian Creek, but, uh, and there's like two different ways to get up to it. It's like a second pitch. And there's this like really casual, like five, eight hand crack. And then there's like this 511 dihedral and, Adrian was like, oh, I'll take the first pitch and we can do the dihedral. Like, it will be a better warm up. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. And uh, he like starts up it and it's like super run out and like really chossy. Oh. And he's like, there's like luckily a bolt in the morning, in the middle. And he like clips this bolt and then just has to like run it to like kind of get like through the crux and up to the top. And I'm like following this pitch on top rope. And I'm just like, doing the part that he did like super run out and I'm like oh my god this guy's a total badass like there's no way I would have committed to doing this pitch like this is so sketchy and uh I was like well I'm like 
totally out of this guy's league, you know, or he's out of my league. And then uh, we like didn't quite. And then we had like a super fun day working the the desert gold. It's like this classic, classic crack. And uh, yeah, it kind of all started there. And then like the next week we went and tried Jetstream, which is this like kind of heads up 513 multi-pitch in Vegas. And it's like super classic and had a total epic of like starting like pre-dawn and getting super lost on the approach. And then like projecting the crux pitch, which is like the second pitch for like four hours and then finally sending. And then like, we're like, oh, I guess we'll just keep going. And there's like six more pitches and they're like all 512 and um, get to the top and like fall off the last move, the last 12 pitch at like oh. midnight. And then I'm like, okay, fuck it. Like I'm not sending, you know? Oh man. We wrap and uh, yeah, it was, those were like our first two days climbing together. <laughs> <laughs> That's so epic. I mean, the thing the thing that makes your partnership so unique, um, looking at it from the outside, from my perspective, you know, it's like it's like one thing to find another person who wants to go project the five thirteen crack or like go go to Yosemite and try Golden Gate ground up or some of these things. Like, you know, that's a rare person. There's there's pe- those people are out there, but you know, it's a special thing to find that person that can go do those things with you. But you guys seem like uncannily aligned in your ability to do everything and your your desire to do everything. Like mm-hmm. I was, you know, this morning I was scrolling back through your last year of Instagram posts and updates and stuff. And it was just kind of like this <clears throat> funny looping carousel experience where it was like, oh, like double digit boulder problem. Oh, 514 sport route. Oh, like hard big wall or trad thing. Oh, another hard boulder problem. Just kind of looped. And, uh, and that's... That's incredibly rare, you know, let alone that you guys are around the same age and have the same lifestyle right now. It's just, I don't know if that's something that's become more normal, like people that can climb everything at that kind of level or or are trying to do that. But that seems, I haven't met very many of those people, you know, mm-hmm. um, like you're down here in Waco and you don't really think of yourself as a boulderer. And just from like talking to Forrest and hearing what you've been trying and stuff, I'm like, well, you're already better at it than me. So that's pretty, <laughs> that's <What>? pretty interesting. <laughs> like, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and then you, you know, I spend know most of your, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you spend so much of your time in, in Yosemite trying big walls. What's the common ingredient there for the two of you? Is it, is it just like chasing the weather and doing whatever's best that season or, I don't really have a fully formed question here, but yeah, no, that's fine. But that's a unique combo. What? Why is it that you two are so well aligned? I think I can I can answer both parts of that um, question. Uh, there was only two <clears throat> parts. That was like a seven. Well, it's kind of like so. how are we switching between the disciplines, and then how? Uh, yeah, how are we switching between the disciplines, and then how are we like both aligned? Like, yeah, perfectly yeah. sending the exact Very same succinct. things. Thank up. you. We're like sending the same stuff at the same time, and. Uh, and we're like the same age. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like super special. And that's why I wanted to like talk about it. Cause it's like, I'm just like so appreciative of it. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's so cool to have someone that's like equally psyched. That's your age. And you can like really relate on that level. And, uh, <clears throat> that's just like psyched on the same objectives. And that's like another piece of the puzzle. That's super important. Um, and that creates like a super healthy competition for us. Yeah. Like it's like, definitely like we don't really use the word competitive or that we're like competing against each other but like when you're up on golden gate and your partner sins and it's like your partner that you do everything with and that you're like the same age and 
go to the same school and like have all these sim- similarities. You're like, oh, well, you know, I need to do it now. Mm. And you usually do it. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's like I've seen Adrian like so far from sending a pitch. Yeah. And then I go up and do it. And he, he just ties in and does it. <laughs> It's like incredible. I'm like, holy shit. That was like, it's so crazy. Why is that? Is it a self-belief thing? Is it? Is it like, well, I know this guy's climbing. I know that we've done so many of the same things. He just did it. Therefore, I can too. Or is it something else? Um, I think it's like having that just like competitive nature. Like we both grew up playing sports and being like athletes. What did you do before climbing? Um, I guess like I played like all the sports growing up. Like I played baseball and soccer and lacrosse and ran cross country. And like, I wasn't like super good at much of it. Um, I was like a competitive skateboarder. Okay. But I, that didn't like bring out the, I think that brought out more of like the competitive or the healthy competition side of Mm. like partnership. Cause when you're like having like, a really good session with your friends and you're all skating the same bowl. It's like you all have different st- styles and like go to tricks and all these things, but you're all throwing down mm. and that's, what's like most important. You're like all feeding off the energy yeah. and you're totally like feeding off the, yeah, the energy of the, of the session. And it like makes you go away harder than you would if you were like by yourself. So I think I kind of like learned how to like pick up or I just really enjoy that like feeding off each other's energy aspect of it and uh i think that plays into it and then also yeah just being like i know that we're like we have similar strengths and uh like if he did it i should be able to do it and mm-hmm. since he did it i have to do it because like, <laughs> yeah because we got to keep you know, going upward because yeah we got to keep going and uh you don't want to be in a kj situation yeah i know exactly yeah we haven't had that yet but <laughs> um uh no i think it's i think it's powerful though it's a a powerful thing it's really cool yeah yeah okay i want to uh, eventually loop back to your spring season but let's let's keep going down this um this bouldering sport climbing trad climbing combo rabbit hole for a little bit because i do have some questions about it you know just looking back at your your instagram this morning i was like god you're so good at everything like you're you're one of those like really really um accomplished all-rounders you know, it was like, oh, he he did this like badass highball V11 and Roy that Keenan put up. Like that thing looks so intimidating and so cool. And then, oh my God, like um, El Nino and, you know, all the stuff you did at, at Little Side this summer. Do you, I have a few questions here. Do you think it's been helpful to do as much different climbing as you do? Or would you be even better at, let's say, trad climbing if you just focused on that year round? Do you think there's like some secret sauce in, in combining all the different things or? Um, I think for, yeah, like for big wall climbing, it's much better to be like a, a talented boulderer and sport, sport climber and like understand those disciplines. Cause that's like, you know, once you learn how to place gear and trust it, like that's just kind of like a skill that you can maintain. Like, like, Trusting it and being comfortable with it and like problem solving quickly is something that might take time to get used to again. And that's why like when you're like going to the valley after bouldering for a while or sport climbing for a while, it'll be good to like do a couple intro routes to like mm. just kind of like get the feel of like, oh yeah, my fingers in this size crack. I'm going to place this piece and like it's 
totally fine. Like it's bomber granite and a crack. It's going to stay. And like, you know, sending hard climbs is all about like reducing hesitation. Mm. And it's like, well, if you can reduce as much hesitation as possible, like on those hard trad pitches, like you'll have a much better chance of, of sending it. And, um, so that's important, <clears throat> but, uh, I don't think that big wall climbing is like good for sport climbing and bouldering. Mm. Yeah. I- except that, uh, when you get off of like a seven day ground up ascent of some big wall and you were like soaking wet half the time and you were like really cold and your feet hurt and like, you're like, your hips are bruised from your harness. You really want to go bouldering <laughs> and it's really, really fun <laughs> and you like really appreciate it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I think that, that might be like the good, the yeah, good it, part. It puts like the, the hurting skin into perspective, right? Yeah. Like that's like kind of the worst thing that boulders have to complain about. Maybe like hauling crash pads around on long hikes or approaches yeah. or something, but hiking crash pads is kind of heinous. It is, heavy. but yeah. the bouldering experience overall is pretty cush. Yeah. yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, is there a method to the madness? Cause it seems like you, you know, looking back at your travels over the last two or two and a half years since I met you, seems like you've kind of bounced all over the place. Is there a strategy there or is it just following inspiration? Like how would you, mm-hmm. yeah. How do you think about where you go next? And I think in the beginning it was kind of like, oh, you need to hit these classic areas. And I remember like wanting to learn more about each discipline too. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Indian Creek, learn about track climbing, then go, go to the buttermilks and like boulder. And now it's more so like following good weather is like really important, obviously. Um, so that's like a factor. And then also like a huge factor is like where your friends at and your people at. And like that social aspect of like living on the road is like so important. So like, you know, if you're juggling two areas, but three of your best friends are going to be in an area, like you're probably going to go, mm. go there. Cause like one, you'll have partners Two, like, it's just good for the soul, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and like, it's really important to put a lot into your climbing and focus on it, but like cultivating long-term relationships and it's like also really important for yeah. just like well-being. So like, and I think, I really think it all works together so well because it's like, for me at least, like I go to Yosemite, <clears throat> I'm like really focused on goals when I'm there and I'm like trying to get really good sleep and like rest and like not have, not do too much social stuff so I can like really focus on these big wall objectives. And then after a month and a half there, I'm like content with what I just did usually, um, like if I'm successful or not. And then I'm like, oh, well, you know, now I'll probably go to like rifle and go hang out with my friends. And and when you're like sport climbing and you can be like getting all those physical gains and, and like cultivating psych for other objectives while like having more time with like the people you're around. Cause you're like not on the wall for seven days or like hauling or <laughs> mm-hmm. hiking loads. So I think, yeah, the, the formula is like pretty like intuitive and it works out well yeah with everything i'm trying to accomplish so yeah yeah that's cool i mean it makes sense and it's it's a theme on the podcast that you know if you want to be a good big wall climber eventually you know once you've learned the logistics once you've dialed in your you know your logistics for hauling and gotten efficient and you trust the gear and all that stuff and you know gotten comfortable on the slippery granite it is about being able to do like hard boulder problems way off the deck and do a lot of them in a day and it becomes 
way more similar to bouldering and sport climbing. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a theme. And then you said big wall climbing doesn't feed back into the other stuff. So I'm curious when you think about where you're headed in the long term with your climbing, what inspires you the most? Is it ultimately those big objectives in Yosemite or or more of a combination of things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good a good question. Um, yeah, in the long term, like definitely the like single pitch hard trad climbs and the like big big wall free climbs like around the world are the most inspiring to me. And I guess uh, the way I, I'm like, I love all parts of climbing and I really enjoy all disciplines. And I think it's like a great way of maintaining psych um, like year round. And, um, but when I like read an article about like a new boulder, like a new 9A boulder that was done or some like, you know, Megos doing some new 15C. I'm like, okay, that's like really awesome. And those guys are rad. Um, but I don't like have this like urge to like want to go out and do it, you know? And I think maybe some of that is like, oh, those guys have been like climbing since they were like five mm-hmm. and like can do like, you know, mono one arm pull-ups and there's just no way that like, wh- why would I even like aspire? But, um, and that's probably not like the best mindset to have. And I'm sure lots of people can, can do those things. But, uh, but when I see like read articles and watch movies of like Nico Favres and Sean Villanueva, like out putting up first ascents in like Baffin Island or like in the Torre del Paine range. And like my buddy Tyler just went out to, um, the, uh, uh, Torre Cathedral and like did the second ascent of the South African route. And like, that's super inspiring and Mm. that's like super rad and, um, feels more relatable maybe. Yeah. You're like, I could actually aspire to do that. Whereas totally. There's no way I'm going to work my way up to 15C. Yeah. I, Cause I didn't start climbing as a fetus. Yeah. I think there's like in another world where I'm like more psyched on trying to go climb 15C in Spain. But, uh, I think like, you know, in, in this world, I'm more psyched on going out and doing like some big wall first ascent and in like Patagonia or Baffin Island and, and hopefully like, you know, at the moment I like have those aspirations and it feels hard to, uh, like work towards them. Cause I don't have a ton of, I don't know that many people that are psyched to go do those things. And, and the ones that are close by and easier are like in Yosemite and in Zion and in Squamish and stuff like that. Um, and I'm really like equally psyched on those as well. But definitely like the stuff that I dream of is like the stuff that like Nico and Sean are doing. It's Mm. like super cool. And I think like one of my big fears in climbing is uh, like getting too into like, I'm like, oh, well, like I was uh, in the valley this spring and or last spring and Seb Berth, we were like hanging out at this party and he was like, oh, Sam, you, uh, you cannot come back to the valley until you climb 14C like AC plus. And I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Okay. Like, maybe he's right. And then I get, like, too into that. And then I, like, focus on sport climbing for five years. And then I, like, never get to go do fun adventures, you know? Wait, why? why? What's the premise of his argument there? He's like, Sam, you're, like, trying all these big walls that are, like, almost at your physical limit. Okay. And you're, like, not saving any of them for the on-site. And, you know, he's like... (laughs) 
he's like a 515 climber so he's like yeah i'm like I'm, he's like you're spending like seven days on el nino I'm, I'm just gonna go on site in a day he's like why don't you just do that also i'm like okay whatever was but, he uh, was he, is he trying the dawn wall at this point yeah he was trying the dawn wall yeah yeah he like didn't do the dawn wall so he was like he's like oh sam and tavish just like tried el nino like i'm just gonna go on site in a day god damn. and he basically did it he like fell on the last pitch but the last hard pitch damn wow yeah. but like hearing that i'll like get too psyched on on sport climbing and then never get to like go and sail to baffin island and climb big walls and have those like really meaningful lifetime climbing experiences because yeah i love sport climbing but like i don't have a ton of like i i do want to have a lot of like rich stories when my climbing life like mm. is over and like i love hanging out with my friends at the sport crag and like trying hard on projects i just don't have a ton of like great stories mm. but like you know me and adrian like suffering up free rider for the first time and like using dynamic ropes to haul and <laughs> not having a tagline and like those are all like really great stories you know yeah phones dying and dropping topos and it's like <laughs> it's it's fun to look back on and you learn a lot so yeah yeah well let's that's a, as good a lead-in as is I could have asked for. Let's talk more about your 2022 spring season in Yosemite. I almost said 2020 because I don't know what year it is apparently because <laughs> of the COVID time warp. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. So yeah, I've, I've interviewed Jordan a couple times now, Jordan Cannon for people listening. And he's of course like all in on, or at least has been, you know, all in on Yosemite and and just kind of the legacy of Yosemite and these big objectives and doing Golden Gate in a day and doing these big linkups and things. And I just interviewed him about Wet Like a Nightmare, that uh, nine pitch 13D on Leaning Tower. And, um, you know, I think of Jordan as someone who's become like a specialist, really dialed at that style. And then he kind of makes you sound like you're a level up on him and just kind, kind of crushing these things that he's been working really hard for. And you know, they try You guys tried a wet lycra nightmare together in the spring and then it got too hot and he couldn't send, but you squeaked it out. And I was like, damn, I kind of had this image of you of like, Sam's the guy that just shows up and executes everything, just gets it done like flawlessly. And then it was fun to catch up with you a couple of weeks ago and hear your version, your side of the story. Yeah. And it sounded like that season was kind of a shit show in, in a few ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was a great season, though. That was, like, really fun. Um, <laughs> like, did did a ton of, um, like, I showed up in, uh, I think, early early May. Or, no, no, early April. Yeah. Okay. April, I was there, like, April, May. And my buddy, uh, Tavish, he's, like, a total dark horse bone crusher. He's, like, a super impressive climber. Um, we were, like, getting out and... We were getting out a bunch and we did this like thing on the Fifi buttress called like Final Frontier and that thing's like super classic and we were doing a bunch of bouldering and the weather was like super good and um, we were just like hanging out by the river all morning and then like once we started like prepping for El Nino we were like hanging out by the river all morning and it like goes in the shade at like three so we'd just like hang out and tan and then we'd like hike up there and go try these like heinous 513 slab pitches on like the first three pitches of El Nino <laughs> and uh so like that was a super fun season. And then Jordan, like, uh, I think there was like some article written that said I wanted to try El Nino and Wet Lycra. And uh, I like didn't really remember saying that. And I was like, oh my God, this dude's like pre-spraying about my projects and I'm not even going to try them because I'm like not there <laughs> yet at all. And I remember like Jordan being like, oh yeah, I'm going to go try. We hadn't like climbed together really. And uh, we had just um, bouldered like 
<clears throat> what am I saying? He had like asked me to climb like before going to Yosemite that year to like see if he wanted to climb with me. He was like testing me probably to okay. be a partner. Yeah. And uh and he wanted to try wet lacquer and I'm like, oh well, like I'll probably just go belay and check it out and it'll be like a multi-season thing. Cause it's like 13D big wall, like or like pseudo big wall, really. It's it's not that big. But um Well, like well, yeah, hundred feet, you know. Or I guess proper. like it's really big, but you just like don't climb that much. Okay. Um because the first two pitches are the aid pitches. Yeah, when you're and... looking at the wall, the first, like, 300 feet is, like, you don't even climb it because you, like, walk this ledge. Okay. Like, and then once you're off that ledge, you just aid climb for 200 feet. So you're starting, like, 500 feet off the deck or something. Okay. And okay. then it's, like, you know, I don't know how tall it is exactly, like, 1,400 feet or something. So you're climbing, like, 1,000 feet, which is, like, a lot. <laughs> but it's, like, not that much, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, but what was I saying? Um, yeah, so I was like, oh, I'll go, like, belay Jordan, and I'm sure he's, like, really psyched, and he needed a partner, and, uh, I get down off of El Nino, and I'm, like, really worked, and that was, like... After sending? I didn't send it. Oh, you didn't send yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, this is actually good. We can talk about how, because I don't show up and do stuff flawlessly. <laughs> I actually had, like, yeah, I didn't send El Nino, because the last pitch was, like, soaking wet. Oh, shit. It was, like, I was, like, scraping out, like not like sludge but like i mean the rock was like covered in moss from the waterfall oh man i was like scraping that off with a brush <clears throat> but there is this like 13 plus 14 minus variation you can take there that was like the original way that broke um so that's what seb did when he onsided it but uh get down off of that after like seven days and we weathered out like a, a storm on that and that was like first l cap storm um me and Tavish and our buddy Scott Eubank, he went up there to take photos and uh, yeah, it like our portal edge fly was like totally not waterproof. We like borrowed it from the, like the guidebook author in Yosemite and like the storm hits and we like set the portal edge fly and it like, I mean, it was better than like cotton, <laughs> but like <laughs> it was like just like we could just like see it dripping through and like the thing was like soaked. I was like, is this what portal edge flies do? Like this is heinous. <laughs> and we were just soaking wet like. Soaked to the boat. Oh and the, man! Like Art Scott like bailed, and he gave us this like little camera to film ourselves. Tavish and I, and the camera broke. Like it seeped. It got so wet. It like seeped through the case, and then like we couldn't even use it. <laughs> We're like, we should just toss this. Um, but uh, I get down off El Nino, and Jordan's all psyched, and he already has it. Like the first couple pitches fixed, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, let's go up there." And I'm like, super worked, and it snows. Like, it's snowing this day and he's like no we'll go up it'll be sick we'll go try the crux pitch you'll get psyched and uh <clears throat> and the approach is heinous right it, well it's not it's actually nice like when it's not snowing right but when it's like snowing it's like a talus field mm -hmm. and you're like walking up these like big boulders slabs things and uh yes yeah, so we're like walking up that in the snow and we get up there and jordan's like first roped up pitch he like falls into that hole and like splits his shin open <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and we just like go then we like rap and i like call my buddy jack and i'm like all right jack come like we need we need to like hike jordan out of here you know yeah like, his leg is like open and his, yeah like, bones he, are sticking he was out. like picking little fragments of bone like shin bone out of his leg yeah so that was like God. a great start to the wet lycra experience <laughs> like super exciting and then <laughs> so that happens we like go to the er jordan's out and then once Jordan's back in, we're like, oh, we'll go climb the South A in a day, like n nose in a day style. Uh, Meaning Jordan, like French free. Yeah, like, like French fraying and yeah, yeah not free climbing, um, everything. <clears throat> and we just do that. 
I don't, I think we just like kind of wanted to do it, I guess. I don't know. I think Jordan was maybe prepping for some like double in a day, something for his birthday or something. And, uh, so we go and do that and we're like on the South, they had wall, things are going pretty well. And, uh, our like friend Victoria came in to shoot photos and he just like, I get up to an anchor and he's like short fixed self belaying on like the second pitch of the head wall. And he, right as I like put him on belay on my Grigri and I'm clipping him to the anchor, he like falls. Um, he like pulls a cam. Oh fuck. And, and he's, he's like, he's like aid self belaying. Yeah. He's like, yeah, Mixed he's like short fixed, but he's belaying himself. So like, yeah. PDL is when you like short fix, but you like don't have a play on and uh-huh. you just like fall to the end of your rope. Yeah. But he like has a Grigri. PDL, <clears throat> what does that stand for? Uh, Pakistani death loop. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why it's called that. Um, okay. But you just like, uh, yeah, but he's like on belay. He's got a Grigri. Self belay. Yeah. 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 And he falls and he's like not clipped to anything until me. And I like, <laughs> <laughs> and I like don't get the, uh, the rope clipped to the anchor in time and it like wraps around my hand and he just takes this like i mean it was kind of big it might have been like 50 feet or so he takes this like big fall and it like wraps around my hand and like um my hand like takes the fall and he like whips straight onto my belay loop oh my and it was like super intense and i was like whoa like god jordan's sketchy (laughs) and then (laughs) no not actually but uh he like takes this big fall and my hand is so fucked that i like can't even like so close like the, it like the the rope like his lead line like basically lassoes your hand and yeah. that's what keeps him from like from falling what to his death or just even farther? no no he was on my grigri okay, okay yeah yeah so it, it like lassoes and like un it like pops off uh-huh. my hand once he like fully weights it um but yeah it takes that big but whip like and then he just like pulls back up onto you yeah he like factor two onto me Fuck. So, yeah Ow. don't do that listeners it's yeah. not solid um but then <laughs> <laughs> but then he like pulls back up and like climbs to the top of the pitch and Victoria was like fuck yeah this is like <laughs> she got up there and she was all psyched she had like just wrapped in for the first time she was like getting these sick photos and she's like this is awesome and then Jordan takes this huge whipper like we thought my hand was broken for sure like it was like super swollen and I like couldn't move it and we just have to like jug Victoria's lines out because I was like I'm not I don't give a shit you know whatever and uh we hiked down and we knew the Belgians were like throwing this this party like up on top of the rostrum because they were heading out of town to sail for three months back to Europe. <laughs> and uh, so we're like, oh yeah, well, we got to go party. And then we like, <laughs> well, no, that's not totally true. We go to uh, Jordan's friend is like a doctor and we go to her house and she's like, yeah, I just come in for x-rays in the morning. Like your hand's probably broken, whatever. Like we can't do anything now. And uh, we go to the party and like put it up in a sling and we like, um, party all night and that's when I'm talking to like Seth Barrett and he's like yeah you gotta climb 14C before you come back to the valley like you're totally blowing it <laughs> and he was also like oh yes I was going to try to do this uh like do you El Cap a day ascent and I was going to recruit you but you're obviously fucked and I was like okay <laughs> I was like wow damn that's a bummer yeah the, um, he was like yeah your hand's like totally broken for sure it was like the size of like a balloon at this point and then luckily it wasn't broken. Like I went in for x-rays the next day and they were like, yeah, I know you're fine. And I'm like, I'm fine. They were like, it was That's just like crazy. soft tissue damage, like really bad. Wow. And my girlfriend was going to UCLA. So I like drove to LA and hung out for five days and then came back. Um, and I think did wet like or like the week after that or something. What's up with that? That's well, insane. <laughs> um, cause hmm. I'm, cause I'm like right and I'm wrong, you know, like I, I'm hearing this whole story and, I guess, I guess my point earlier was like, 
from the outside, it just seems like you're the guy who shows up and just smashes things and everything goes off without a hitch. And then I hear your version in some of these stories a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, oh, that's right. Like, don't oversimplify things. Like this guy's working for it just like anyone else. He's struggling. He's putting the work in. He's epicking. You know, he's having these crazy things happen, you know, fluke accidents, whatever. But then, yeah, you almost break your hand you've had like one snowy day on the route and then you come back and send it in a week. Like, and it's like one of the hardest things you've ever done. Like, how does that all fit together? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think of how many days I had on it before I hurt my hand. It might've been like four or okay. three. Okay. Like, I think there was like a little bit of time like that we worked on it before, like in between Jordan's leg feeling better and me hurting my hand. I think we got like three extra days on it. Or okay. Something. Like, I think I basically had what there's five, five, 13 pitches. Or six. I think there's five. And I like had a micro traction day for each. And then I think I had one extra day or something or two extra days. So I think I had like six or seven days okay. on, the, on the route. So I didn't just like show up and, and hike it okay. That's by right. any means. But, yeah. uh, but um, yeah, I mean, wet like or nightmare was just kind of weird. I, I didn't really struggle with the, with the crux too much, which was, I think, like very, very surprising. Because Jordan was like, oh yeah, Alex was like, yeah, if you go up there, like just work on the crux pitch because it's like 13D and everything else is 13A. And if you can do that pitch, you can do everything else. No problem. Honnold. Yeah. yeah. And then I like go up and I, I think I was able to like, like I went up and Jordan had the draws hung. He was like really good at getting stuff like fully dialed. So there's like draws hanging all the way down the route. And like, he's like, he likes that a lot, which is like cool. It makes for like a different type of big walling experience. That's like pretty casual and, and fun. And, uh, as com- compared to like going up El Nino in a storm, it's like <laughs> different. And then uh-huh. um, I think he like gives me the beta and I like go up and touch the holds and then I was able to like do it on my first try. Damn. And it's like fully bolted and it's really short and you kind of like, wow. and, but it's super cool because you like, you're like those, that jug rail that you were seeing in the photos is like rapper jugs. You can mm. like superhero clip with your feet off. Whoa. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> it's super cool. Okay. And then it's like one bolt of like pretty hard climbing, but... It's kind of just a boulder problem. Yeah. Not, not just, but it's, it's yeah, essentially a It's actually a little bit problem. different because right out, off of that, it's like 12 plus okay. stemming, which is like a, a 12 plus stemming boulder, uh-huh. basically. And then you like get a rest and then you do like a... Like I do like a sideways dyno at the end. That's like not super hard, but it's still like... You're I like, him you're that, all yeah. points off. So it's like, you might fall. Yeah. Um, uh, that's so epic. But yeah. You're like that, 600 feet off the ground doing a sideways dyno. Yeah. yeah. No, you're probably like more than 600 that's at that so point. That's so sick. Yeah. It's super cool. And there's like a photo of Eric Bissell doing that jump. I bet you could find it somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Wet Liker was, uh, that one, it just took less time than, than I thought, I guess. Mm. I don't know. I think it suited me well. Like I've, uh like changed a, a bit as a climber in the last like I've like gained more more muscle since I like started climbing I like climbing on like bigger holds now it's like more of my style than like because I went to school and was climbing at Smith Rock and like loved mm. the like micro crimping on vertical faces and now I just like I don't know I hate like painful holds <laughs> and like the <laughs> yeah. wet lycra trucks is like super yeah. comfy holds and like okay they're like slopey crimps and jugs and nice so it's like easy to to work and yeah it so, is. I don't know. No, you're fine. It's it's interesting. I'm just thinking. I'm kind of smiling over here because um, that just sounds so similar to my Smith Rock, you know, 
trajectory, I suppose. Like there, there's this, I, I love Smith so deeply and I have so many memories there and it taught me so much, but there's kind of, there was kind of this inherent, I don't know, like innocence or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you just don't know any better. Like I loved Smith because I hadn't traveled to Waco, you know, I love Smith mm-hmm. because I hadn't spent much time in Rifle or in Rocky Mountain. And then you, you hit the road and you start traveling and at least for me, like start climbing on steeper hard things with good holds and like being able to use my muscles more and like my body allowing my body to change and and it's just it just feels so much more fun and I as much as I love Smith and appreciate it I'm like I'm not sure if this is ever going to go first full circle you know like that might have been my chapter where Mm -hmm. I just loved it for what it was and ignorance like I think like ignorance is bliss sort of thing you Mm -hmm. know it's like I just didn't really know how fun hard climbing could be, I think, yeah. to some extent. <laughs> yeah. But Smith is funny like that because um, it's surprising how quickly you can be convinced to go back, I think. Mm, okay. Like, because um, I like, when I left Smith, I'm like, yeah, I'm never going back. Like, <laughs> it's so greasy, like the sun and everything's so like heinous and height dependent because it's like, yeah. Like, and then, but then Adrian's there right now and he's like, yeah, dude. They just opened the new board climbing gym in Bend. It's so cool. It's just like kilter boards. And then like, yeah, Smith is so great. And you're like, yeah, maybe Smith is great. Like, <laughs> and then you like go for two days and you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, you go try your project and your skin's fucked for like a week. And yeah. you're like, oh, right. And you're that's... like, oh, yeah, World Wall. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> world Wall. Yeah, your passion for World Wall. I, I don't know yeah. whether we should talk about we, that or not. We probably shouldn't because the locals will get so pissed. Yeah, I know. The ledge yeah. can only handle so much traffic. Yeah. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that it's not just about climbing. It's also about getting to know people and learning from them. And it's about getting to know ourselves because until we do that, it's really hard to know how to get where we want to go in life or romantic relationships or climbing or anything. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. I go to therapy twice a month and it's awesome. It's just nice to talk to somebody whose job it is to really listen no matter what you're dealing with. If you're having a hard time or just want a professional to help you become the best version of yourself, then therapy is going to be awesome for you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. That's what I use. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge and without any awkwardness. It's super easy. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash nugget today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash nugget. And now back to the show. Okay. Um, this I'm putting you on the spot, but I really want to ask this question and just see if, if, if anything fruitful comes out of this question. And again, this goes back to just kind of glancing through your last year of accomplishments and being fascinated that they're just so all over the place, like the balance of bouldering and and sport climbing and big wall. Can you name one lesson you've learned from a hard boulder, a hard sport route, and a hard trad route or big wall that you've done in the last year? 
um, we can we can kind of go through one at a time. Let's start with well, let's, let's start with whichever one comes to mind first. But um, I just think it'd be interesting to hear like what what lessons or, or memories really stand out from each of the three different disciplines. Okay. The bouldering one seems like actually really like the easiest one. Maybe okay. maybe because I boulder the least. Fewer fewer experiences to pick from. Yeah. God, bouldering is so fun though. Um, but one thing that I think is really cool about bouldering is how like mindful and patient boulders are. Mm. And it's like, and I think I'm going to like really try and apply that to my other disciplines. Because it's like, you know, forest, he take like, you know, he warms up super slow. Um, and then he's like, before he pulls on, he's like touching every hold and like seeing where his thumb goes, where his, where his thumb goes and like all these things and like all the good tactician boulders are doing that. And like, they're waiting for the, like sport climbers do it too, but it's like less noticeable, mm. you know? Yeah. Maybe because they're up on the wall and you like can't see it happening. Um, I don't know if you know my buddy Hunter Murray. He's yeah. Like, yeah. Like he's like probably one of the better sport climbers I know that does this and it's annoying because he's up on the wall for two and a half hours and you're like dude just like get the beta but then he like makes it look so casual and it's like awesome right but in bouldering like learning to like sit at the makita for like five minutes and like harness all your all your psych before you get on and learning about the conditions on the just like the level of detail yeah what it's more like is like you're at the boulder for two hours and you only try it like six times Mm. like once every 20 minutes you know and it's like i think you can learn a lot from from like that flow of a session mm-hmm. and like it's so uh like calculated yeah and there's like a lot of intent so i think that's really cool and i've learned that on like all of the uh, like i just did that thing when i clown and roy it's like a v10 and that one was like it physically looks so, it looks sick yeah that one's incredibly good and that one was like physically harder for me than uh earn your stripes mm. so um, it reminds me it's like a v10 version of um What's that like V15 or 16 highball in Rocklands that Nolly did? Oh, the... Live in large. Live in large, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, it, lo- it looks like that. It looks aesthetically yeah. kind of similar. It looks so cool. No, yeah, it's like probably one of the, the coolest boulders in Royan. Um, yeah, it's such a great area too. And yeah, just kind of like all the... Like I don't feel like I'm that much stronger on boulders, but I'm like way more like becoming more of like a tactical boulder. Mm. And that's what's making like the biggest difference mm. is like... Because I think I used to try harder on boulders. You know, I would just like rapid fire V7s and 8s for yeah. like three hours and then yeah. like eventually send. And I'd be like, that was the hardest boulder I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was like year, like the first couple of years of like bouldering trips. Um, and that's like changed now um, where I'm like perfectly sanded before every go. And it's like a totally different thing. But I think like just yeah. that mindset can, can really help. Like, like I think it will help a ton. Well, you know, it's a double-edged sword because like when you're on OCAP, and you're like at some boulder problem pitch, which is a ton of the crux pitches. They're just like little boulders. It, you like need to figure it out quick and you gotta, right. and you gotta like, like find something that'll work and then just yeah, throw it out. And then do it. And, yeah. and like me and Adrian are like good at that. And I have a lot of f- friends that I think are, that are like great climbers and good big wall climbers. And they like will struggle to find that thing that works on that crux pitch. Mm. And then like, and then you kind of just, sometimes it's good to just like double down even though if it's not the best beta and you just like find it it works and then you try as hard as you can and then it's mm, over and then it's right. like it doesn't matter if it was the best beta or not um, i mean i think i think that's kind of like that skill is kind of like the 
a core skill of red pointing, right? It's mm-hmm. like it's like the two different extremes of that. You know, it's like if it's the hardest thing you've ever done, whether it's a boulder or on a rope, and you're putting like 50 tries or 100 tries into it, it's that process of making every single detail intentional, like mm-hmm. perfecting everything. But then on the flip side, like the second go or the really quick red pointing skill of like, just find something that works and being able to anticipate your level of fatigue when you get to the crux and like whether or not that method is going to work with that mm-hmm. fatigue. Like that's that's a totally different skill and it's like equally important, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it could be hard, like taking that really long mindful bouldering session and like applying it to, like, yeah. you know, you know, like magic mushroom or something up on El Cap. <laughs> but like, right. it, I'm sure like parts of it will, will transfer. And then <clears throat> sport climbing, uh, good sport. I mean, I just... I have to pick a world wall climb. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I did a Chicxulub. Okay. Which is like this direct version of Pornstar, which is it's like, like a Drew Ruana link up or something. Yeah, I think so. He probably did it when he was like eight. <laughs> yeah, no, he did because yeah, he like. I think Eric it. bolted it maybe. Yeah, because Drew did it, and he at the time he was really into dinosaurs, you know, because he like just learned to read, and yeah. he like. <laughs> So he like was related to dinosaurs and like Chicxulub, I think is like the name of the crater that like killed all the dinosaurs. Okay. So he's like, yeah, boom, Chicxulub. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like do that. And it's like, you're doing this like V7, 8 crimp boulder, like right until all the crux climbing on Pornstar. And I hadn't really worked it out. Like I kind of, I just since Pornstar, I think two days before. And I had like tried it the summer previous. So I was like really psyched. And I was like, oh, I'll try like Chicxulub now into it. Um and like Adrian and Hunter were trying like pornification, which like climbs this 12D into the like top of Pornstar. It's like this 45 meter epic like journey. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I think I did it like the week later. But I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like out there like try chicks and I like just figured out the crux. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to like, I think I was like a couple days on and I was like, I'll just like go for it. Like the boulders figured out and it was like getting dark and Adrian was like, okay, whatever. And like. I like get through the boulder and like get into porn star and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm so flammed and it's just like classic. I'm just going to like talk about the classic red porn experience that everyone has had right now for 15 minutes. But I like, <laughs> and you like, there's like this incredible sequence at the top because porn star is probably like one of the best, it's one of the best sport rids I've ever done. And, and just like hitting these moves that I had to have so dialed to do porn star, but hitting them like so limit, you know, and you're just like head snapping mm-hmm. every move and like. I hadn't been sport climbing a ton before that trip to World Wall. I was actually training in the gym in Truckee and I was working at a country club restaurant that summer and uh, got up there and like hadn't had a red point experience like that. And like, it's felt like a kind of a long time. And I was like, oh, this is like what I really love. Like, this is what got me so psyched on climbing originally. And it was like cool to go back to that. Um, Cause like when you're switching, it, switching between disciplines and like gaining strength in new places, I like, you know, what first got me psyched was like barely latching every hold on my sport projects in Taos, like learning how to climb. Mm-hmm. So it was like fun to do that. <clears throat> and what's cool is like, sometimes you have that experience on a big wall and it's just more, you know? Mm. And I think like Leo holding and it's like movie on the profit like starts and he's just like, yeah, big wall climbing is just like more 
you know, it's bigger, <laughs> it's better. And like, hmm. I think that can't apply. And like, you just take that experience you have at World Wall and you like do it 3,000 feet off the ground and it took six days to get there. And it's like, <laughs> makes it really awesome, you know? And That's it's just so like, sick. makes it so full value. Yeah. And uh, like, I think, so I don't know if that's like a ton of learning from sport climbing um, this past year. It is. I mean, that was it like is, a memorable experience. For memorable. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of right. Like it is like the quintessential and in my experience, maybe kind of rare experience, like the, like the pinnacle of the experience of sport climbing is like, like, oh fuck, like I'm here, I haven't fallen and I've done this link before, but I've never been this pumped on this section, you know? And then like, just, it's going to take everything. Like mm -hmm. I just have to climb perfectly and give it everything to have any chance. And then like somehow you get through it and, oh my God, those moments yeah. are just the absolute coolest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember Hunter being at the base and he's like the, he like gets everything so dialed and he like gets, ev if he like figures out a move and it's like not even that hard, but it's unpleasant, he's like, fuck it. Like, I'm not doing it. Like I want mm. every move to feel like pleasant and good. And he's just going to like reach through it and do it all the perfect beta. And I get down off a of chick's love and he's just like, that was crazy. Yeah, he like <laughs> never does that. But I think he he like had to do it for a couple of projects that summer, which was cool. Yeah, nice. But uh, so yeah, everyone, everyone has to do it. It's, it's so cool. And then, uh, Big wall climbing. Yeah, like on El Nino, I learned, like, I don't know. I don't want to be, like, as wet as I was. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to get, like, I did, well, we just need to get a portal edge fly. Because, like, the same thing happened to Adrian and I, like, when we did Golden Gate ground up. Like, we were sleeping in the alcove, and this was, like, January, like, mid-January. Because we just got all psyched. We were just, like, talking in our, uh, <laughs> we were just, like, talking. We were renting a house in Bend. We were both at Cascades. And we, like, saw this weather window. And uh, it was like five days or like seven days of like sun and like low 50s, high 40s in the valley. And we were like, let's go do Golden Gate because we were all like, God, Smith Rock sucks. Like we got to get out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, we're, <laughs> Were you projecting something or? I think. <sighs> Sorry, I don't mean to derail no, your story. I, I don't here. think I was. I, uh, I don't think I was. I probably got I probably got on Batman once and I was like, oh my god, this is still impossible. <laughs> <laughs> well, in winter at Smith but, can be so frustrating because like the sun, like climbing in the sun, you can do it, which is amazing. Yeah. It can be like, you know, 20 degrees outside Fahrenheit and you're climbing in the sun in a t-shirt. But it's not necessarily it's really hard to have good conditions. Mm -hmm. Like in the sun, it can be cold and greasy at the same time. Yeah. And then it's like way too cold in the shade yeah. to be able to climb in the shade. I, I had that a lot at Smith yeah. where I'm like, winter is just like tough, mm -hmm. really tough. Yeah. But then we were, so yeah, we were in our living room and Adrian's girlfriend at the time was there. And like the second we brought it up, apparently she like knew. She was like, they're leaving in two days, I'm sure. <laughs> and me and Adrian were like, we were like looking at our schedules and we we're like, how much class? Like Adrian was like, how much class could I like skip and like not fail these classes? <laughs> because Cascades is kind of smaller. It's not like, I feel like other universities you can like, it's so big. You like don't have to go to class and you'll be fine if you like pass the test at the end. But Cascades is kind of small and mm. your teachers like know you. And but you also, like, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking it must be during the pandemic. Like, are you doing no, this school is online? Jan or? Last January. Okay. Well, yeah, so this Things is a year ago. Probably, we probably actually topped out like today, a year ago. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but uh, so it was like kind of post pandemic. <clears throat> well, I don't know if that's ever going to be the case, but like we're talking and we end up like yeah we're like we're gonna skip eight days of class or ten <laughs> days of class we're gonna go to the valley and we like pack up the van and we like go to gross out and like get all of our food um grocery outlet and then we like zip it down there 
it's like so cold and there's no one in the valley and we start up and I guess what I was getting to well like day one there was like 50 mile an hour winds and we were like climbing the free blast and like hadn't <laughs> like granite climbed in like a, co- like a couple months and the wind was so heavy that it was blowing dirt and leaves like from the valley floor into our eyes <laughs> and like one time Adrian was like falling and the wind totally like blew him back onto the wall and like it was outrageous but like night two or we're like sleeping um <laughs> we're like sleeping up in the alcove and we like set up the portal ledge and there's like all the water like dries up in the daytime and then starts to seep at night on the walls mm. um and i was like on the wall side of the portal ledge and we don't have a fly i was like asking around to try and get a fly before we left because it's like january and but like we couldn't get one so we're like okay no fly and then um <laughs> i wake up in the middle of the night like soaked Oh, like so wet in my sleeping bag just has like a puddle in it and I realized that like I was in like a wall seep it like the wall was seeping like right into my part of the portal edge and Adrian was like totally fine and I get out and I start to panic because it's like cold <laughs> yeah. like at, at January like, like oh my god I'm so fucked so I basically like strip down and luckily we're in the alcove so you can kind of walk around like it's kind of a big bivy yeah. and I like strip down to my underwear and like wrap myself in ropes and I just like lay on in this ropes little, yeah we have like our our like lead line out and uh-huh. I kind of like wrap I kind of get like bundled up in just like gear <laughs> and then I like lay down and like sleep in the alcove like <laughs> and then like I wake up like Adrian wakes up and he's like why the fuck are you like not in the port ledge and I'm like dude and I like barely slept like I remember oh having God. I like put my wet sleeping bag on and I just like breathe into it like that's my one big tip is when you get really wet you can like get in your sleeping bag and like breathe into it and that like gets it pretty warm mm. it's like warm moisture okay yeah yeah um, <laughs> But, and then like, and then the next night or two nights later, I think we like slept under a waterfall, like, um, below the move pitch and which is insane because we woke up covered in frost, like totally covered. And I had sent the move pitch the night before when we got up there and Adrian like fell off like post crux Mm. and like wake up, he like wakes up in the morning pre-coffee okay (laughs) like coming full circle, like free coffee, insane, like ties in. (laughs) <laughs> and like sends the pitch I don't even have like my leg loops on like <laughs> I'm just sitting in my in my sleeping bag like leg loops off the hardest and he just like he just like ties in and I like throw him on belay and I'm still like delirious and he just like sends the pitch and that whole night we were like <laughs> we were <laughs> it was insane and, like that whole night we were like in this waterfall that formed like right above our our camp and I remember like yeah, well, I was so pissed. I was like, wow, we're going to get soaked again. Like two nights ago, it was like the worst night of my life. And now we're getting totally soaked again. And, but then, uh, yeah, so I guess getting wet on big, like getting a proper fly is like, useful, <laughs> I guess. Like that's a big lesson. And haven't had a proper fly yet. And I'm stoked for the first <laughs> like time to have one. <laughs> but wow. I think it happens to a lot of people. Like I think Brett Harrington and, and my friend Elliot, like they climbed Corazon and they're like fly broke. Mm. And they were in the rain for... I don't know. You can like learn a lot. I think getting really soaking wet up there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how much does a how much does a rain fly cost? A portal ledge. Dude, rain it's fly? expensive. It's yeah. like like I guess all that stuff getting is. the ledge was like I think the ledge is like even with like pro deals like BD. I think the ledge is still like five hundred and mm. and the fly is like four hundred or since it's like the same. There's okay. like three hundred. It almost doubles it. So we were like, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> so. But uh, but that was a great. We can put together a GoFundMe if you yeah. guys want to support. Oh no, Sam. We're, we're totally fine. Get we're like rainfly. super, 
super privileged middle class white boys were doing just fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh you know. Um but yeah. No Do you enjoy that sort of thing? Like are you the type of person that's like I mean hearing you tell the story, I'm like, if I had that happen, it would probably be at least a year before I signed myself up for another experience like that. And it yeah. seems like you have that turnover in about a week. You're like, yeah, I'm ready for another one. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think like I'm quick to like be like cool that was like rough and now I'm gonna boulder mm-hmm. and like eat a bunch of food <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. but like you know you had Amity on and she's like different like I think I'm a lot like more I'm like lazier and more laid back than like a lot of valley climbers usually like a lot of valley climbers are like getting down and then they're like oh I gotta get my blood moving like day off the wall so i'm gonna go for a run mm. and then like go climb this moderate 510 and i'm like i'm not putting my rock shoes on for like four days okay because that was like because like yeah i'm just gonna like hang out and read and like stretch and just like chill and maybe maybe go do some like moderate boulders or something mm-hmm. but like but then five days rolls around and then i'm like kind of psyched but i'm probably not gonna be psyched enough to like go like i remember when i got off of el nino actually no this whole this last valley season i'm like i'm not doing anything overnight Okay. Because I was like, didn't want to do it. After it or before? After El Nino. Okay. Because yeah. yeah. then I did like Wet Liker in a day and that was those were like day missions. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, that was fun. Like I'll keep doing that. And yeah, going back to like not always showing up and crushing like me and Nick Berry tried to climb El Corazon in a day and like totally like didn't, didn't make it happen. So okay. yeah, okay. there's another failure. <laughs> yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, I guess like on the top, I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about like Big Wall ethics and like no, i don't really want to talk about it what i want to talk about is just like style matters to me i think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like because everyone's always like oh yeah ground up or wrapping in and it's all just like different experiences like going ground up is very different than wrapping in and like i remember wrapping into like el corazon and going for that in a day it like made me appreciate all my ground up ascents because they're so different and like same thing on wet lycra like that was fun to do all the tractioning and like I'd probably go back and do it the same way, but it's just like makes me have more appreciation like for the times with roots that make sense to go ground up on that it like seems realistic. Like I think it's like important to take those climbs and like don't take them for granted and like mm. do it in a style that would. Do you be... say don't take them for granted? Yeah, don't take them for granted. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. That was um, so dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was that was worth it. Um, yeah, just uh, I don't know. I think it's like okay to like acknowledge that it's like more impressive too to do stuff like ground up. Like there's a different like I don't know if people should be like hated on for wrapping in like I've done it, and you have to think about like how it's affecting other parties like how Brent Bargon thinks about it. Like yeah. that's how he thinks about it. So <clears throat> yeah, I love his um, ethic around it. For people that haven't heard that interview, he talks about like just having an ethic where you're like you're affecting the least number of other people basically yeah which i think is really cool and that's cool so like that's something to think about too and um but like acknowledging i think it's like we don't need to like hate on people that are doing it one way but like maybe you know people that are like going ground up in the mountains or something like that's really rad it Mm. should be like acknowledged as being like it's like ratter really you know <laughs> <It's ratter. laughs> yeah. yeah but like it's still like very rad to to wrap into these roots and, and do it and um and i think like something that like on wet lycra something that i did was like me and jordan were going for team free our first our first attempt and 
we like set up which pitches we were going to lead and uh he like goes for the 513 we both like lead the crux pitch and send and then he goes for the next 513 then i was going to take the next one and we were kind of kind of going to do that and he like doesn't quite he fell off he like heartbreakingly falls off the like last move of this like really hard 13a stemming pitch that was i thought was like one of the hardest pitches to send on the route and it was like totally heartbreaking and he pulls up and he kind of like wraps down for me to get he wasn't sure what he wanted to do because i was like oh well one of us needs to lead it you know like because you can try it again i can try and lead it and stuff and he wraps down and he doesn't clean the the gear out Mm. and like i know he was like bummed about not sending so i didn't want to be like okay you have to take the gear out and stuff and so i like led that pitch with the gear in Mm. and it's like one of the pitches on the route that's like fully like fully a gear pitch there's like this one old rusty bolt but besides that it's like all gear so i was like I had like a bad taste in my mouth about leading that pitch with the gear in, but I was kind of like, oh, you know what? Like we were going team free and like not everything works out exactly the way you want to. And that's just like a part of big wall climbing. But like, I think, you know, I also acknowledge that if someone goes back and like does that pitch, placing all the gear, like it's superior to my, Mm. to my ascent. And like, I'm probably not going to go back and redo it, but like taking those experiences and like knowing that like maybe next time if I'm on a route like that, um, and it's like a big deal for me. Like I might take an extra second and think about it and then take that extra moment to take the gear out and then climb it. Mm-hmm. So you like feel good about it afterwards. And that's all like following your intuition and, you know, like gauging how you feel about everything and what you want your experience to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like cool that big wall climbing can like give you different, like all different experiences in that way. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I think like people talk about it in like interesting ways. Like there's always like a lot of hate on people like wrapping in and then like people being elitist for only going ground up. So it feels like tribal in that mm. way sometimes. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know if it has to be like that, but like it's still acknowledging the differences is probably good as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's a few things there that I'm, I'm hearing. I think the first one is just like such a, it's become such a common um, phrase that I think I resonate with a lot, which is there's no cheating and climbing only lying. Yeah. You know, it's like, just be honest about what you do. There's no mm-hmm. rules, really. Like, we're, yeah. we're, we've all kind of agreed upon, like, these rules to this game that we're playing. So, yes, there's that. Like, if you, you know, if you say you onsided something, you're implying that you knew nothing about the route. So, if you knew a few little things that might have made the difference, that's like, are you being honest? But that's what it is. is it comes down to honesty yeah. and, like, really owning what you did. And um, and then the other thing is, like, yeah, it's just I just don't think there's anything that, anything good that ever comes from judging people for the way they did anything like that's just never helpful you know it's like and and people are usually judging based on um their own personal experience that they had and like elevating that and maybe there's who knows what's going on there maybe some insecurity or you know trying to who knows trying to elevate themselves by putting this other person down but i think I think a lot of the time, a lot of that judgment is coming from people who don't even, who haven't even fucking tried the routes that they're, you know what I'm saying? They're like mm-hmm. reaching out and picking on people and like dragging someone down for having a less pure ascent of something. But they're like, you know, a keyboard warrior that's on the internet late at night, just ranting. And like, what are, are, yeah. are they even out there trying these routes? I think it's probably be, a little bit of both too. It's yeah. probably like a little bit, like I'm sure that occurs. And then I'm sure there's like the people that were really psyched. I'm going up the free rider for the first time. And then these like Gumbies wrapped in on them and like <laughs> fucked them over. And yeah. then all the ropes are tangled yeah. and then they can't try the boulder before the sun hits. And then they're just like, grr, you know? Right, right, and, like, right. I'm sure right. that like, and that's like frustrating mm-hmm. and would probably 
affect the way you think about that ethic too. Um, but then there's no point in like dwelling on it either. Mm. You just like, you just send it and then you're like, well, I did it from the ground. So boom. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, it's just like, yeah, uh, yeah, that it just seems like there's like a bit of hate in that part of it, which mm -hmm. I don't want there to be, but I think like if everyone, if you just like, yeah, acknowledging what you did and acknowledging the difference also, mm -hmm. and then like, that's, that'll probably help. I think with some of that hostility. Right. Yeah. It, it's funny, kind of because we're back in Waco, it reminds me of the conversations I had with Verm a year ago. Mm -hmm. And like that, that feels like very similar to my, my main takeaway from those conversations, which was, and, and I don't want to um, put any words in Verm's mouth, but he seems like a little judgy or maybe dismissive of the modern style. And I think what I was hearing him say is like, he just wants people to acknowledge the difference, you know, mm -hmm. like going ground up on a boulder these days with information, having watched videos is different from going ground up in his day without pads, not mm -hmm. knowing if the boulder was possible. You know what I'm right. saying? And like hitting the ground if you <laughs> if yeah. you fell off the totally. last move of C-spot run or whatever, or, you know, working it on, on um, like head pointing it and working on a rope first before you do it it doesn't like take away from someone's like having climbed it, but it's just mm -hmm. a different experience. And, yeah. um, and you know, like I, I kind of still think thinking back on that conversation, I still think like head pointing hard highball boulder problems has, is the, is the key that has allowed us to evolve so much and things like too big to flail in Bishop right. or Ambrosia, like those would not have happened. Mm -hmm ground up without pads like that they just wouldn't have happened you know so there's i have like a equal amount of respect for people that are doing that sort of thing like honold or you know nina williams going and repeating those and um and verm doing his ground up no pads stuff back in the 80s with mm -hmm. with high top shoes and two chalk bags you know yeah totally <laughs> yeah i know I don't, I don't know if we're breaking any new ground here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, we could go in circles and be like, well, you know, <laughs> because I, I uh, it's just like Honold soloing El Cap is like pretty cool, but, or it's very, very cool. Um, <laughs> but like, but he's got big fingers, it, so it's yeah, easy for him. Well that, but then like if someone <laughs> goes kidding. up from the ground and does it without top roping it, yeah. like that's going to be cooler. It's probably never going to be done. Oh, if someone, on, yeah, if someone yeah, like on-site If someone on-site free solos it, it's yeah. going to be like, yeah, if someone on-site free solos the nose, it's going to blow that like out of the water. Jesus Christ. That's never going to happen. Yeah. But like, you know, if it did, then. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah, is but that, I guess. Is that possible? Looping back to uh, getting really cold and, and wet on, on El Cap, I, I think those are good. Uh, those are good experiences. And I hope that people that are psyched to, to maybe go do it, go, go do it. So bring a, bring a waterproof fly. That's the big takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you can be like, you know, playing a mandolin and a flute and having a great time and <laughs> eating cheese like the Belgians do, but instead of like suffering. <laughs> what do you, what kind of climbing do you suck at? Is there anything that you find really hard? Um, yeah, I, you'll, uh, on my bad days, you'll, you'll hear me complaining about my negative ape index. Okay. <laughs> But Forrest, Forrest likes to poke at me because he's like, you know. Oh, you two are like the opposite. Yeah, he's like 6'3 with a plus 3. Uh-huh. And I'm not that sure. I'm 5'7 with a minus 1. Okay. Um, So it's like not that extreme. But uh, I, I struggle with like, like El Cap is actually a bummer because it's really <laughs> height dependent usually. Mm. And like a lot of people are actually pretty open to talk about that. Um, And people like change the grades for themselves, it seems. You know, like talking to Jordan like he's he's like 
like I have a really easy time on the A5 and that could be like a, a style thing. And then he like really has no issue on the move and the down climb, which were like the hardest moves for me. Mm. And like Emily Harrington took like, I think she took like 13B for the move pitch. And then like some people take like 12C for it. Okay. Because it's like, you can skip it, you know? Uh-huh. You can like if skip the hard about, moves. Yeah, yeah. And like the same thing on on like Corazon, the beak flake is like, like my uh, buddy Prithable had to like tell, like walk me through on the phone his beta for like doing this like karate kick toe hook to get through this like boulder problem at the beginning of the pitch which i think if you're tall you just kind of like slam dunk on this jug and it's Mm. like over Mm -hmm. so like i'll complain but then i'll go to like potency and then i'm like oh thank god like i'm this small you know yeah i'm like this is like really a rifle too right and like and but i've been climbing in yosemite so long that i'm like oh i just wish i was 510 with a plus two like like adrian's 59 with a plus three and like i'm so jealous but uh (laughs) yeah but uh but i uh I, it makes me like not like to do uh, like super big like squeeze blocks. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah. It all it all fits. I I always felt like Smith was maybe a more height advantaged area than a lot of others because like anything that's like vertical or close to vertical, if you can like you know if you can reach the next hold from a better foothold mm-hmm. and just stand up, like it's just gonna make it easier, you know. And, and I mm-hmm. think there's a reason why. Um, a lot of like taller, lanky people seem to excel yeah. really well at Smith. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you're your size, like cave climbing might be like your superpower, you know? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it's just like who you're climbing with too. Mm. It's like, it's all comparison, right? I, I didn't really get a chance on this trip to see you and Forest Project Boulders together, yeah. but I would have loved to see that. Yeah, it's funny. We do like, <laughs> it's completely opposite. Yeah. But he's like, does it's not like... Like me and Adrian's beta is usually pretty different too. Mm. And we're like, people usually think like, I have a lot of friends that, like, think I'm taller than him. Hmm. Um, huh. But just when we're, like, hanging out. And, but, like, I'm, I'm not. But our beta's usually different, but Forrest's beta's different from everyone's, like. Right. He's just, he's crazy. He's really, really <laughs> big. <laughs> but, uh. And shout out to that guy, Forrest Franklin. He, yeah, uh, yeah. He just sent Spectre in. Yeah. Good Bishop. job, Forrest. Good job, Forrest. Yeah, we've been poking so, fun at him. So impressive. Yeah. You have been? Yeah, he's like, Good. oh, yeah, I was in Bishop. And we're like, How, what were you trying there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We haven't but, heard this before. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's good. But uh, I'd be spraying. I'd be telling everybody if I did Spectre. Yeah, God, it's so impressive. How are we doing on your list? Um, let me look. Look, <clears throat> I think we're doing pretty good. I think we've kind of like I can casually I can, uh, tangented into everything. Tangented is that a verb? It is now. That's how <laughs> we do it over here. Just let um, it run long enough, and you hit everything important. I guess. Uh, no, that's a lot of it. But um, I guess I've had some other good, like, I don't know. I feel like this is going to be a different conversation than what you've had. Like, or I feel like a lot of your talks are like, you just had like Ollie Tor on, mm-hmm. right? or you just published that. And I'm sure I haven't listened to it, but I'm sure it's like a lot of like seconds on the hangboard and comparing surprisingly, each one. Surprisingly, no, not not no. too much. Yeah, yeah, but 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 that's not off brand for me. I, yeah, yeah. I, but like, I appreciate when you do those ones. You yeah, because yeah. it's uh, but uh, I don't have like a ton of that knowledge. Yeah, <clears throat> but I do have some like good stories, and I hope people are just enjoying. Oh man, to them. Yeah, but, it's, yeah, it's, like it's uh, so much fun. I know Adrian and I like when we did the free rider together, and we met like I think. It, this was like four months after we met or three months after we met and it just like escalated to like, oh, let's just go ground up and I'll cap. And uh, I think Tyler Caro, who I was talking about doing that thing in Patagonia with his uh, Basque friend, Ima, and one other guy uh, that I'm 
don't know, but he was there and crushing at the time. He was like, he'd like was doing all these like eight climbs really fast and he was like yeah you guys gotta go ground up and he was like really in support and he didn't met he, us didn't he and amity do golden gate they did golden gate that yeah, season yeah. yeah and it was like his first time brushing hold it was like a whole thing <laughs> and then <laughs> and then but he like sees us in the parking lot we had like a brand new haul bag a brand new swivel oh my god wait i forgot about this and he's like we have like swivel? a how to big wall book yeah swivels like you put on the top of your haul bag so when you release it and it spins it doesn't twist the rope it spins this little swivel on oh top. smart okay yeah yeah, you dig it. You have like the engineering mind. You'd like like all the gadgets. I like I'm not into it, but people are. Um but Tyler sees us in the parking lot and he's like he's with my buddy Evan. Um and he's like, Yeah, you guys are doing what, free rider or something? You know, like because he thought we were total gumpies. And uh he's like, Yeah, I'll give you twenty beers if you send. And then <laughs> We were like, and then me and Adrian left like, God, this dude, Tyler's a fucking asshole. Like, what the hell? And now we're like super close friends and he's like a really awesome dude. Um, but he, he's like, give 20 beers if you send. And then we like almost send and we get down and like tell him all of our stories and he's like super psyched. And, um, but like I, we, and Amity and Will and Sharp are right above us and they like thought we were going to bail the whole time. <laughs> Because they pass us. <laughs> so we like start up before them and we get up to like their second camp, which is like three pitches above first camp. Because we like, we slept on heart ledges and then we climbed up below the monster off with. And we get up there and Adrian starts up the like ear, which is this five seven chimney before the monster at night. And like my phone just died. And I had just gotten this like really grim text message from a friend. And then I was like, oh, well, you know, can't respond to that. And like put it away in the hall bag. And I think Adrian's phone was already dead. And our um, battery packs that we had brought to like charge them were, had, weren't working. They just didn't work. And we were like below the ear and it starts raining. <laughs> and we like, did it, it was supposed to rain. And we don't have a port ledge. And we, <laughs> so we're like at this hanging belay, like below the monster. And we're like, all right, um, let's bail back down to like that ledge that we can go sleep on and we like huddle and we like wrap with our bags that we just we have no idea how to haul and we have like a dynamic rope hauling oh my god and we're like climbing with the haul line on our back because usually what you do is you climb with a tag line and then you pull up a haul kit mm. in your gloves and your shoes and stuff mm -hmm. and we didn't have any of that so we would just like we just climbed with the haul line and then we like put it on a micro traction that we had with us and hauled and um it made it go really fast but it was like really hard it was like incredibly hard and we were like wrecked by day like one and a half and then <clears throat> but we wrapped down to like the place that was like three pitches above our last camp and we have to like wrap with our bags that we just hauled and we sleep in the rain and we're like huddled in this like little cave and our feet are getting soaked but we're like our heads aren't quite um and apparently adrian like totally thought we were gonna bail in the morning and I like never even thought about it. And I know Adrian was psyched to keep going. And then he was kind of like, yeah. Dude. And then we, we like wake up in the morning and I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go do the monster. I had like never climbed an off with. We had tried this like 510 off with at the baseball calf like five days before and like got so shut down. We had to like bail. And then um, <laughs> we go and do it. And we both have like hour and a half epic leads and get up to camp and we're totally wrecked. And a couple days and then Amity and Will pass us this day and they like do the monster above us, ahead of us. And they're sleeping on the spire, like 50 feet above our camp in the alcove. And they're like, yeah, they're totally going to bail. And we're like, hey, guys, we like just met them. We're like, can you all wake us up in the morning? Our phones died and we like need an alarm. And they're like, yeah, sure. No problem. And they're just like, they're totally bailing. And then, um, yeah, we were like, I was able to like send the boulder problem like <laughs> later that the next night. And like Adrian got like heartbreakingly close and he, uh, 
comes up and we keep climbing and have like a total epic on the enduro corner the next day and 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 we get up to the scotty burke off with which is this like heinous off with uh like overhanging flared fives off with crack and uh we start up and and i can't do it and Mm. um so I like keep climbing and we drop we had dropped the topo like two pitches before and there's this like crack that you're like not supposed to go up so I like go up the wrong way at the top of the pitch and this pitch is like terrifying and super exposed and and I'm like lost for like an hour and a half and the sun's going down and we were like supposed to be up at the top and Adrian I think just like is crying at the belay and he like thinks we're gonna die and I'm just crying on lead and I think we're gonna die and I like finally get up to the thing and it's like too windy and he's too far away to like communicate and he finally like cuts the bag loose cuts the bags loose and I can haul and yeah, we sleep on top and go down, and it was total, total <laughs> epic. <laughs> so we've come a long way since then, but uh, <laughs> people like are like, "Why the fuck are you hauling with a dynamic rope and oh without like a two to one?" But yeah, I've, no, it's uh, it's cool to to have those experiences. I feel sure. like the name of this episode is going to be Sam Stro botching it and sending anyways, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I love it, dude. That's but, that is like the stuff. That is like the those are such classic climbing stories. Yeah. But then I was really psyched, and the next that was in the spring, first spring season in the valley, and then in the fall I went back and did it in a day because I was like, well, you just skip all the hauling and wow, and you don't have to. Um, doing it with the heinous stuff and how did the scotty burke go the second time around did you have um, more practice or yeah so i ended up wrapping in after going ground up mm. the first time and i rehearsed the scotty burke and the boulder okay yeah um yeah and just wrapping el cap by yourself is like was always like was really exciting at the time that was like pretty formative yeah and then i was like sounds epic yeah yeah like ropes getting stuck and <laughs> and but um but yeah i just practiced like the i think i did the monster too and then mm. learned a ton about like off with climbing that like one day wrapping it and wow. then uh um yeah i went and did it with my my buddy graham yeah yeah did it did it in like a fun way like no simul climbing and like no tactics like just kind of he just jugged and we hung out and just like listened to a bunch of black sabbath and ate gummy worms and <laughs> like it was it was a great day and yeah adrian just went and, and finally did it because he had to he had to catch up and he <laughs> fell a ton. <laughs> he, he like cyber climbed half of it. We did it like a little bit faster than me, but I think he fell like ten times or something. He had a total epic. Wow. It was great to great to hear about. That's so sick. <laughs> um, quick question. Favorite big wall snack? Um hmm. I I like never eat candy, but I've been like taking up sour gummy worms with me. Mm. So I'll like eat those. Uh oh, me and Adrian took uh summer sausages. Mm. on uh, Golden Gate, these like massive sausages and avocados. And we would just like, we had like basically a sausage each a night and we would like crack them open and like dip them in an avocado. And that like sounds disgusting, but it was like no, it so sounds, good in the moment. Sounds amazing. Um, but my, uh, all my close friends know that I eat like an absurd amount of dark chocolate. Okay. So I'll take like a whole bar, like no matter what I'm doing, like bouldering or to the sport crack and that'll be like one of my things I eat throughout the day. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask that next, actually, like favorite big wall snacks and then favorite bouldering snacks because it's so much more cush, you know, you can bring like mm-hmm. a glass Tupperware if you want yeah. to or whatever. Yeah, no, Madeline. And you have like, to eat a lot here. Like Waco's like yeah. a six, like a full tour day in Waco is like a massive day and you need yeah. to bring a lot of food. For sure. Yeah, my girlfriend got this like really awesome lunchbox and she like convinced me to get one and she like sets it up all super nice and like charcuterie like every single day with like all like all things for lunch and i just like kind of throw some like power cubes in there and, and some stuff but i think i used to be more like psyched on bringing nice stuff to the crack but i'm pretty content with like dark chocolate and like a can of 
fish and like a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice dude. It's working for you. Um, what's going on with your knee, man? We should talk about that yeah. a little bit. Oh yeah. That's... I totally had forgotten. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it must not well. be too bad. I mean, I don't mean to diminish it, but you were able to walk over here to my yeah. room in the morning and it looks like you're not, you know, you're not hobbling around on crutches. Yeah. Cause I just got a text from you yesterday or a message. A voice message or something that said like, you know, you blew out your knee, mm-hmm. you're leaving Waco, yeah. we got to do this thing now. And mm-hmm. I was just like, fuck, like, I hate to hear yeah. that, but yeah, I'm several hoping... podcasts have actually happened because someone got injured and they're mm-hmm. like, well, now I've got time to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm always like, is that a good, is that good timing for a conversation or mm-hmm. bad timing? for? Mm-hmm. A con- it always works out. Yeah. So appreciate you being here, but what's yeah, going on with your knee? Yeah, I was just uh, trying. Well, I appreciate you caring. Um, yeah. about it but uh, yeah I was just on this like it's just like a crack through a roof with slopers in it and you like heel hook out the roof and I was like heel toe camming in the crack and it like Oof. I was like heel toe camming really I thought the, the boulder was actually going really smooth and I like wasn't fighting at all or anything and I like just heel toe cammed it into the crack and then like back flagged with my other leg really hard to like go out to this hold and it just like super loud pop and it Ooh. buckled and came Ow. down and it was like really weak and I was like oh well that was definitely my knee oh, and uh, I should uh so I just like hung out and it wasn't really painful until the next the next night and the next night it got like really stiff and mm. inflamed and but I've been trying to just kind of like walk around and keep blood flowing and have a PT appointment tonight with like a virtual one with someone in Vegas so I'm gonna okay. head there and, and get to the gym and start doing PT and trying okay. to heal up so yeah yeah so it's, it sounds like it's you can you can walk on it. You can wait it a little bit. It's not like yeah a, yeah. I can I, I can stand on one leg like pretty well. I can't like move around on it. But, okay yeah. You know I'm I don't mean to. I mean knees are so complicated. There's so much stuff going on in there, and I'm obviously not an expert, so I don't mean to um, oversimplify. But I had a really similar thing last year. Actually, I was like trying. I tried loaded with power and like gave it a flash go mm-hmm. and like use the beta where you you put the heel hook in and you like are right. cranking laterally really hard on your on your heel hook and just like literally everybody there's like six people there and like they all heard it go mm-hmm. and everyone's like oh yeah you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and I dropped off and kind of did that whole thing where you're like your eyes are kind of big and you're just like inside your body you know making yeah. an assessment like oh how bad was that like how bad's that gonna hurt. And it was kind of similar sounding where I could weight it. I could like, you know, gently do kind of like a one-legged squat. And I was like, okay, it works. It's not like I blew yeah. up my ACL. Um, and it was like, it ended up being like three weeks of wearing a brace okay. and just kind of babying it mm-hmm. and avoiding heel hooks and eva- yeah. avoiding things that really like loaded it laterally at all. And yeah. Yeah. That's what Force so was saying. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully you're back in action soon. You're young. Yeah. yeah you know? I have that. Just take some collagen. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I just ran out. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get on like the quadruple. I got to just like put collagen into an IV and then <laughs> yeah. like, it'll be just fine. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, definitely blessed with, with youth for mm. the, for the injuries. But uh, I know, and it's always right when like everyone's getting injured and you're like, I just feel so robust and good. And like my fingers feel great. <laughs> I've been doing such good finger, like recovery stuff. And then like, boom, knees out. And then mm. you're like, ah, but, uh, but I'm glad your thing didn't last long. And I know Forrest just hurt his knee and, and Bishop and mm. he was like, I mean, he did Spectre, so yeah. he, he was just fine. But um, yeah. he's like, yeah, I, he's like, yeah, I know I did that, but I can't really heel hook or drop me, but you should be fine. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I just booked <laughs> tickets to Spain. I should just be, I'm just fine, yeah. Just won't heel hook or drop me while I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, classic. But uh, it should be just fine, yeah. Yeah, I think mine ended up being like a minor like meniscus sprain maybe mm-hmm. or something like that. And yeah. um, I mean, it was it was probably less than like a month before I was like 100%. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully you're back in action in no time. Yeah. So you're going to Spain soon? Yeah, we just put tickets at the end of uh, March. Nice. Yeah, well, we're going to Spain for like a couple weeks and then going to Greece for a month. We're going like a little later in the season, but we'll just have like vacation, like climbing in swimsuit temps. It'll be great. That sounds amazing. And then to say use for the first time after that. So Nice. Yeah. Cool. And everyone's trying to convince us to go to Rocklands and they're like, it's super cheap. It's great. I'll be there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're going to. Everyone's going, but we're just kind of like, it's not that cheap as everyone's saying. It, yeah. We kind of just planned for the three months in Europe. So yeah, we'll see. But uh, super psyched. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, anytime you fly halfway around the world, it's not, it's not yeah. nothing. Yeah, it's, it's for not sure. Cheap. Yeah, one thing I've been meaning to is a whole other thing, but I've been meaning to look into like, I need to buy the tickets and then look into uh, CO two offsetting. That's something I want. Right. Like, I've yeah. never done that for a trip before, and I'm like, I should, I should look into that. On the Skyscanner app that tracks. Sorry for interrupting, but You're good? On, the app that like shows you the cheapest flights it has like, um, like airlines that have better emission standards. Okay. Um, so that could be something to look at. Cool. Yeah. Okay. We'll do. And most of them, it seems like it's like a 20% reduction. Okay. Which probably in terms of air flight is like quite a bit. It's probably not super min- like yeah. minimal. Yeah. It's not nothing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I'll and they're like that. not that much more expensive. Okay. So, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. How are your notes doing? Good. Yeah. Cool. I'm ready to wrap up, I think. We just have a few more kind of closing questions for you. You mentioned... Uh, you know, I have so many training conversations on the podcast and you're here to share more stories and, and just kind of the, uh, <laughs> almost like the, like the, you're like the new old school, you know, it's like the fly by the seat of your pants and just figure it out and have an adventure along the way sort of approach, which I love. But I want to ask you these two questions. Um, I don't know if you do any training at all, but do you have any, can you think of any common or generally accepted advice in the climbing sphere that you disagree with? And do you have one piece of advice that you want to leave with people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've definitely done my own like experiment, experimental training, you know, and there's so much like information out there uh, to like sort through and like so much stuff to read and, and listen to. So it's like really hard not to like hear all of it and want to see what works for you. So I've definitely had uh, like last summer after Valley season, I went to Truckee and got a job and I did like a six month training cycle in the gym six months or wait oh well six weeks okay um, <laughs> yeah 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 no okay i'd still be in it um <laughs> six week training cycle in the gym um and was like doing a lot of kilter boarding because that's what they had at the uh um at the gym and i was doing like a lot of max hangs and that's what i've done a lot of i'm like just now starting to mess with repeaters because i've like up my power a lot to somewhere that i'm like feeling good about before getting back into sport climbing um and i'm psyched to like like add a bunch of endurance onto that because i really haven't i feel like my endurance has been lacking Mm. a lot recently um even when i'm like on el cap and there's like some 511 climbing before like some v7 i'm kind of like oh i'm kind of pumped now Mm. and want to want to get through that um and but you never hear about endurance training from like jstar right people because they're like have trained it for years and mm-hmm. that their baseline is so like I was talking to Nick Barry about this. Cause like I was getting like, I was like trying Zulu and rifle and I was like really struggling cause it's really pumpy. 
Um, and I was like, dude, no one ever talks about training endurance and you like really need to do it. Yeah. It seems like, and everyone's like, oh no, the, the moves are just easier. So you don't get pumped. And I'm like, that's, that is true, but not true enough. <laughs> yeah, <You know>? yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. just building that base. And I know it happens quickly, but I think it happens like, it's not going to happen like in two days, you know? Yeah. So like showing up on a, like to a sport climbing area, like if you're going to spend two months there, it's fine, you know? But if you're only going for like a month or three weeks or a weekend, mm-hmm. especially like you want to have that baseline, like, so I'm psyched to like maybe try and build up some more endurance in the future and like hearing I guess, yeah, that kind of answers the question. But I don't have any, like, um, anecdotal, like, evidence or, like, opinions because I haven't really trained it a ton um, in the past. But definitely not hearing a ton about endurance training from, like, your podcast or the Power Company podcast or stuff like that. And, and like, only hearing about, like, upping power and Andra only talking about upping power. And it's like, well, he only started upping power after he had climbed 15A, you know? Totally. So it's yeah. like... I think uh, and he probably climbs like 250 <clears throat> days a year yeah. or more. And and I have now I haven't tried like a ton of 514 sport routes and stuff but um I've been getting less shut down by individual moves than I thought. Mm-hmm. I'm getting more shut down by by uh getting getting too gassed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. um so yeah. maybe that'll be like a good uh antidote to hearing. Like I'm I'm just excited to see like how how it goes. But I'm also, you know, full picture i've been like trying to increase my strength and power for the last like year and a half so you know doing a lot of like weighted pull-ups weighted hangs in the gym um and i'll you know i get like maybe two months of gym time a year okay Okay. so like three if or four on like a good year if i'm like doing more school or something like when i was doing more school so um but yeah i'm excited to go to the gym in Vegas and like train some endurance. And also, I mean, you can't like not climb on the moon board. So, and I do like a, a bunch yeah. of board climbing. So, and I tore my, uh, or I, like, I think I like partially tore my labrum last fall in the spring or two falls ago in the spring. Um, and I did that like before Golden Gate. And then I like kind of re-injured it on Golden Gate, like on the last move of the A5 and like definitely like tore it more, retore mm. it and had to like lower and send the pitch before like the pain set in, you know? Oh, dude. <laughs> and, um, but like, so I went back to Ben and like finally went to the PT and he was like, yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're screwed. And I was like, so I did a ton of, uh, um, like strengthening for my shoulder. No surgery. No surgery. Okay. And then, um, I like did a bunch of strengthening for my shoulder. And then actually, uh, what was like the big breakthrough with that injury was like, um, working on just like making sure the muscles weren't like too tight and like mm. balled up. So like I ha- I got like a Theragun and started using that like all the time on my shoulder. And I had this like really horrible impingement after injuring it. I like strengthened it all the time and was doing all the rotator cuff and labrum workouts. And like, those are good, but they can like make your shoulder so impinged that you like can't engage it over your head and stuff mm. properly. And just like all the shoulder mechanisms aren't working. Right. So like fixing that and like making sure like mobility is like back on track. That was like, that's when my shoulder started working properly again. Mm. So I got like too sucked into strengthening it and needed to like work on mobility and like taking, right. just taking care of the whole system. Yeah. So um, that was a big breakaway or like breakthrough with that. Um, but yeah, no, I like training too. It, it's kind of like, I just go through phases of getting really psyched on sport climbing, then getting really psyched on bouldering and then getting really psyched on big wall climbing. And then I get really psyched on like uh, 
training. Not only mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go crush the hangboard. And usually that one lasts the least, you know, like training lasts the least and then bouldering lasts <laughs> like not quite as second long. Shortest, yeah, yeah, second shortest. And then sport climbing and then big wall climbing are like yeah. equal. <laughs> I, can, I can stay equally psyched. Okay. But okay. it just kind of cycles through like with everything else. And uh, um, yeah, like mostly board climbing and you're, you're like basic J-Star. Like I'll just like listen to a J-Star podcast and I'll train for two for six weeks, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 But, uh, <clears throat> but I think I need to not do that as much because, you know, his endurance like capabilities are insane. And, right. And yeah. it's easy to forget. I mean, like, yeah, he, you know, he trains for six to eight weeks a year probably or has for like many years. Um, and it's all strength and power focused. Um, and it's easy to look at that and be like, okay, that's the key. But, you know, he spends 10 months a year plus like mm-hmm. trying hard sport routes constantly all the time and has like such a massive base. And I, yeah, I, I really resonate with what you're saying. I feel like I've had periods where like when I lived at Smith and was sport climbing super consistently, I could have like two month blocks where I just focus on getting stronger mm-hmm. and then come back and like send my project yeah. without really having to work on endurance. But now that I live on the road and like have been bouldering more the last couple of years, that's that's like absolutely not the case anymore. Like if yeah. I want to have a, a a peak sport climbing performance, um, something I learned, something that last year taught me is that I need to have like at least a month to just get fit again mm-hmm. and be able to apply all that strength to the wall and like be efficient and yeah. relaxed and all that stuff. So yeah, and you can kind of get it by climbing, but. Um, I think supplementing a little bit, I think that is something I've underappreciated too, because we don't talk about it much. It's mm-hmm. like actually doing supplemental endurance training in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. And like learn and like forgetting how it feels like to get to a rest on a yeah. sport route yeah. and how it will go away, you know? Right. Like if you haven't done that in a long time on like a consi- consistently steep sport climb and then you like get to a rest and you're like really gassed and you're like, there's no way I can recover. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think like one of my strong suits is recovering. Okay. Like when I was first learning how to climb, I could like get a lot back on, on little holds. That was like, a, uh, a strong suit of mine. But, um, yeah, you like forget that the, the discomfort will go away mm-hmm. if you like keep breathing at the mm-hmm. rest, you know? So, yeah. So yeah, just learning how to sport climb too is important. Yeah. Another, yeah. another thing you were talking about Zulu and I feel like that's another big lesson that I, that last year taught me. Cause I, I had like a five week block where I was trying, um, this like Joe Exotic, this like 14 AB thing in, in uh, the Utah Hills with Joe. And uh, I didn't do any sport climbing leading up to that. And I didn't really climb on anything else that whole time. I was just projecting. And it's really hard to get enough fitness to send when you're just projecting the route, you know, because yeah. you're only climbing as big of links as you can do. Mm-hmm. And you're never like if the route is, you know, let's say the hard part of the route's 35 sustained moves in a row or whatever until you send you've you're never linking that many hard ish moves in a row you know yeah. so that's that's something um i've been thinking about for this coming season because i'm going to go back and try it again but i'm like i'm I'm going to give myself a month in the hurricane to just like send some 513s yeah. and like get that kind of you know that um being able to be on the wall for 15 minutes straight and actually send right and then like hopefully bring that plus like the the strength training from this last year and like put mm-hmm. them together a little bit more, but yeah. 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 No, I, we don't talk about it much. Yeah. yeah. Endurance training. Um, yeah. Now everyone's just confused. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it like people think it's like easier to just train endurance all the time, but it isn't really, it's so easy to like throw a harness on and like put some weights on your, like it's so easy to do a max hang for 10 seconds and then mm-hmm. rest for two minutes and yeah. do that four times. And you're like, cool, I'm stronger now. Right. You know, it's really hard to like, 
like stay on the wall for 45 minutes trying to do that like arcing yeah protocol or yeah or like doing four by fours like you know those are like nauseating <laughs> like totally. I, I don't want to do it because I'm like I'll just like do a 10 second hang yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah totally and like and I don't know why but um yeah probably because of how the training culture has shifted but we don't have the tools for it as much anymore either mm-hmm. like every climbing gym that's been built in the last like five years has a moon board and or a kilter board and mm-hmm. or whatever and um all these hang boards and stuff but like how many of them have a tread wall yeah. You know, yeah. like I haven't climbed on a tread wall since like 2015 mm-hmm. and it was, it was massively formative for me. Like yeah. at the Bend Rock Gym, I would just do like, when I was first really getting into sport climbing at Smith, I would just do, I would have uh, seasons where I would do blocks of like 30 minutes on the wall or something, Yeah, like multiple blocks in a session, you know, just like fucking just hating yeah. life. Just I'm sure listening. that does a lot too. Yeah. Like it just gets you so I mean, used mentally. to being in the vertical. You yeah, know? totally. Like, yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks, Sam. Yeah. This has been fun, man. It's been super I, fun. I'm, I'm really sad that you hurt your knee, but I'm yeah. glad that we were able to do this. So yeah, me too. Whatever that, whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. Thanks for making the time. And I hope it was a useful conversation. For, I loved it. Yeah, I loved great. I loved it, man. That was super yeah. fun. Is there anything that you uh, wish people spent more time thinking about? That's a question I like to ask people these days. Um, yeah, I guess... Like recently I've just been trying to, you know, when you're on the road rock climbing, which isn't all your, on your, all your listeners, but even if I'm sure if you're like very consistent at one job as well and like time just passes really quickly and, um, you, uh, get really excited about something and then you start doing it all the time. Then you like lose appreciation for it. Mm. And like everyone experiences that, but, um, I guess just trying to be just like pre- like present in everything that I'm doing and not letting like a whole month in Waco pass by without like, you know, because you're always thinking about your projects or how you're going to feel in a week and everything, but also like taking the time to really enjoy just like being at the boulders mm. each day. And I, that's like, I don't know. So, so typical, but no, it's, I mean, great. it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty important. And, and it's kind of like, when you're, I've always appreciated time. Or I guess before we had this conversation, I was kind of thinking about like wall climbing and how it can be like a lot of those big experiences you get so excited about and you kind of feel like, you know, if if the experience is like a river, you're like watching it from the shore. It all like kind of go by like your experience Mm -hmm. on this wall or whatever you're trip to Waco or your trip to France sport climbing and it's like well you know you don't want to like watch it all pass by you kind of want to like dive into it and like Mm. be a part of it sometimes and it's like I don't know I think I can be a uh, I think I can like watch it go Mm. by sometimes and just be on the shore the whole time but like the whole point is like being like in the river of experiencing the like what's going on and not just watching it all. Yeah. Yeah. I really thought you were going to say river of life for yeah. a second there. Oh, yeah. That would be in... too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but be like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> and I get so frustrated on the wall when like the hall, when the bags are fucking stuck or something and you're trying to haul on, it's like, well, you know, they're not going to be stuck forever, mm. but it feels like they are, you know, <laughs> but that's just like a part of a, just like a rapid, I guess, you know. Yeah. 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 No, I, I love it, man. I mean, that's, I think everyone can relate to that. And it is, there is this really strange 
phenomenon where it feels like the older you get, just the faster time goes by. And the, and the more like, I, I feel like for me personally, like there's more things in life that I have found that I like. And so in some ways, my experiences are a little bit more um, similar, you know, like year in, year out. It's like, I'm kind of, I have this like climbing circuit that I love. And so I go to the same places and I'm just trying harder things at the same places. And seeing, you know, always meeting new people, but it's kind of the same vein of like, oh, I met these climbers at the campground and it starts to feel similar. And and it's really easy if you're, if you are standing on this shore, watching your life go by as kind of an observer and not, not living it, not being present or like looking forward to the next thing all the time. It's easy for like a, for like a whole trip or like a whole year to go by and, mm-hmm. in, in, in kind of a blur. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's some, that's some deep a lot of smart people have spent a lot of time thinking about this. I think you're yeah. touching on something that's kind of a deep, um, you know, universal truth that mm-hmm. a big part of, of, of maybe the meaning of life or something is just uh, really being in it minute by minute. So yeah, yeah, yeah but it can be can be really hard. It can be really hard. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, dude. Yeah, really fun to chat with you. Thanks for all the stories and uh, best of luck with your knee recovery. I hope your PT in Vegas helps you out and you're yeah. back to it. Um, before you know it. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. I appreciate that. Yeah, All right. It's been a great talk. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Bye, awesome. everybody. Bye. Sweet. Like we do it.